Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, it's Friday, and you don't need Elliot's weather to tell you it's a nice, crisp, what feels like a fall day. Perhaps the best day in the Tri-State. The best weather you can get in the Tri-State, at least for my money. Welcome to Off the Bench. I'm Trace Fowler, and this is presented by United Dairy Farmers. Where do we start? We'll start with what's important now. Thursday night football in the city of brotherly love. The Eagles host the Vikings, and it wasn't the prettiest display of football that I've ever seen. Five total turnovers. Four of them fumbles by the Vikings. One of them was caused a little bit of controversy. You've seen the tweets. The worst rule of sports, some are saying. The worst rule in sports. With 41 seconds left in the half, the Vikings trailed 10-7. Justin Jefferson catches the pass at the three-yard line at that time. Right before that play, you thought at worst-case scenario, at worst-case scenario, the Vikings were going to tie the game, headed to halftime. It was going to be squared, 10 apiece. Maybe the Vikings could score a touchdown, go into halftime with the lead. But that was until Justin Jefferson, on a game-altering play, caught a pass at the three-yard line, reached for the end zone, ball slips out of his hand, goes right over the pylon, right over the pylon. And the Eagles would then take possession on a touchback. The Eagles would march down the field, and on a 61-yard field goal, which is in and of itself a whole other feat that we don't ever discuss around here. A 61-yard field goal seems like it's really not all that wild anymore. Was drained. That would give the Eagles a 13-7 lead. And I'm waiting for Elliot to just, you know, scroll down on the teleprompter here just a little bit so I can actually continue through this monologue. All right. Glad he's caught up. Uh, that would be the difference in the game. That's the, that's the margins that are in the NFL. The margins in the NFL, more times than not, not always, but more times than not, are that small. If Justin Jefferson catches that pass, right, and he reaches to the goal line and he scores the touchdown, one would make the argument that the Vikings win that game. But instead, he fumbles, turns the ball over, Eagles go down, kick a field goal, and there you go. Kirk Cousins. He threw for 364 yards, four touchdowns. Justin Jefferson had 11 catches for 159 yards. And the Vikings only scored 28 points. Why? Well, we already told you. They fumbled the ball four times. I mean, there's high school football teams that don't fumble the ball four times in a decade. In one single game, that is, obviously. Let me be clear before I have everybody on my case. Shout out to Kirk Cousins, though. Uh, he found a way to score a touchdown late in the game with a minute and ten left. That, that brought the score down to a six-point spread, and that was pretty important to some. Pretty important to some. The Eagles, they ran for 259 yards, 175 yards coming from the newly acquired DeAndre Swift. Eagles fans' thoughts running backs were important last night. What a disgusting mess college football is this weekend. I don't know if you've looked at the schedule, but I have. 
I guess you have to cut through the fat to get to the prime rib from time to time, but let me tell you, this is a disgusting mess of a college football weekend. The best game this weekend, the best game that I could find, is Tennessee versus Florida. Some think those are two irrelevant programs. It's gross. It's gross. It doesn't help. It doesn't help the crowd that says college football is just as good as pro football. It doesn't help that crowd. Uh, the Reds, they fall to the Tigers on getaway day. It was an ugly mess. We're going to burn the tapes and move on. We're, out, we're on to New York, as Bill Belichick would say. We're on to New York. And this is, as a reminder, without question, the most important series that the Reds will play for the remainder of the season. If you sweep this series or you get swept this series, the season in and of itself looks drastically different. Some would say the season's over if you get swept. Some would say you're in the postseason if you sweep. Obviously, it gets a little muddy if you take two of one and or you lose two of three. The reason I mention that is because, as a reminder, the Diamondbacks host the Cubs in a three-game set at the exact same time. So if you win, you gain ground. And if you lose, you lose ground. Simple as that. We've gone over this before. We've got pick'ems. We've got mailbags. We've got weather. And we've got opinions. And hopefully we can sprinkle in some facts from time to time. We'll start off with last night's game. We'll go around the room. We'll maybe talk about what the most important thing that you thought in last night's game was. There was some not hugely debated topics like we've done in here before. There wasn't any screaming before the, before the cameras turned on. But there was some mild debate on, uh, on rule changes, on the NFL as a whole, whether they should allow certain things, whether they shouldn't allow certain things. Fellas, we'll start with Reed as always. Um, did you enjoy watching that game last night? Oh uh, yeah, of course I enjoyed watching. It. I thought though it was a, though it was a bad game. It was a. Who was are a you again? It was. It went down there. But if you guys don't know, hi, my name's Nicholas Reed Mouse. I'm 27 years old. I'm I'm happy to be here. My ideal date is is a nice quiet dinner, and I'm ready to find my person and ready to find love. Thanks for having me. You're you're married for the record, though, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. That was, my bachelor, that, that was my bachelor audition. I got you. I got you. Uh, last night was, a, I would say it was a fun game to watch, but unfortunately we have rule changes in the NFL that I just, or rules in the NFL, I just don't agree with. I, if you're driving down the field, it's an eight minute possession. You get to the end zone and all of a sudden you fumble it. If you fumble it at the one yard line, you keep the ball at the one yard line. You fumble it a yard further in the end zone. You not only lose the possession, but they get the ball on their own 20. So now it's just like, what are we even doing? I think it drastically alters the game. I think it's one of the worst rules in sports. It's a, it's a bad rule, and I think the NFL needs to change it immediately. What, what do you think the rule should be? So do you think they should, if they fumble it out of the end zone, it should be where they fumbled it from? Yeah, I think it's it's either it's it would be probably just goes right back to the one-yard line. Okay, because then I would argue if you're on the five-yard line, you're about to get tackled. If you're a ball carrier, just underhand roll it through the back of the end zone. And you get the ball at the one-yard line. Yeah, that's certainly that's certainly an argument, but I think that's why the rules in place is so you can't do that. Yeah, I just I think I think it could be decided if it was intentional or not, and I think if you willingly roll the ball out of the back of the end zone, someone would know. Okay, so that would be that would be that that would be the only thing. I and I think if 
If, if a referee decides it was intentional, it's intentional, and, and we go the other way. Let me help Elliot out a little bit here. I, I'm actually on the side of you, Reed. I think that if you fumble the ball, that's your own. Whatever happens, happens. You right. shouldn't have fumbled the ball from the get-go. But to Elliot's point, if you wanted to try to make it to where you didn't have this, because it does feel a little disingenuous that if that happens on the five-yard line in the exact same manner, that that the Eagles, or excuse me, that the Vikings actually get the football on the two or the three-yard line based off the fact that he could fumble the ball forward out of bounds and you, re you, you continue to have possession of it when it exits the field of play. You do not retain possession if you're so close to the goal line, which one would argue that's what you're trying to do the whole entire drive in the first place, so you're actually accomplishing what you're trying to do. That if you fumble it when you're too close, though, you lose possession completely. If you were to fumble at the five and it were to go through the end zone, then I think the rule could simply state if you wanted to be on Elliott's side here. Uh, I know, I know, I'm trying to help Elliott out, and I'm I'm actually making a point for him when I don't believe wholeheartedly what he's saying. Is this the ball would just return to the yard line in which it was fumbled from? So if you want to try to fumble it from the 15 and launch it all the way out of the back of the end zone, good, congratulations, you get the ball right back at the 15 yard line. You don't gain a single yard, you don't lose any yards, but you don't gain a single yard. And, oh, by the way, if you want to throw the football like that and it doesn't go out of the back of the end zone and the other team recovers it, then by all means, they get the touchback. So, so the that's, that, that's the argument back for Elliott's point. So the NFL already I, – I was just posing this because I always like asking that question. The, the NFL already has a rule where you can't advance on a fumble, which is kind of the reason that they have the rule that where if you fumble it into the end zone, it's a touchback because what the hell are you supposed to do in that in that case? Um, yeah, there's a famous play people have already put in the chat. Ken Stabler for the, for the Raiders literally was getting sacked and he – rolled the ball forward and like 15 yards and someone just picked it up in the end zone and it was a touchdown for the Raiders. So that was all the way back like in the 70s when John Madden was was the the coach of the Raiders. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have an opinion on this rule either way. I was just trying to be devil's advocate on what they're supposed to do because that's a very weird play. I mean, in, in football, if you don't hold on to the ball, bad things happen. And if you, you're saying like, hey, man, if you're getting in the end zone, let's 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 hold on to the freaking ball. Yeah, Mr. Moe says, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Don't fumble into the end zone. It's a good idea. He says the end zone's not the same as the 100 yards between the goal lines. There should be a stiffer penalty. As I mentioned, that's, that's where I stand. I understand the logic of what Elliot's saying, though, because this is where sports are fun. Because the, 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 the ultimate question that we're trying to get to and ask is, what is it that is important? What's the most important thing when it comes to these rules, right? And I think you could make the case if you're on Elliott's side that the goal of football is to advance the football down the field. And when you get it across a certain goal line, you get points for it because that's the goal. If you fumble the football out at the one yard line versus right over the pylon, which is what Justin Jefferson did, the Vikings are still being the more successful team. It just so happens that they obviously fumbled at that specific moment. But you can make the case that it's fun in sports when there is a huge or a severe uh, disadvantage or whatever term you'd like to use. Punishment, I guess, is the right word I should use here. There is a severe punishment for certain instances when you make a certain mistake. And that's maybe the argument I would be on is that it makes sports more fun when you realize that when you get down near the goal line, if you do fumble the ball, there is a severe penalty if it goes into the end zone and you don't get it. It also yeah. adds a bit of risk when you're extending. Yes. That, that's, that's also part of the rule. I mean, all, all rules 
all things in football, it, it's all punch counter punch. And that is saying, all right, if they can extend and once the ball crosses the end zone, it's a touchdown. Yeah, but if you lose a little bit, if you lose possession of the ball and it falls through the end zone, then yeah, that's that's a that's a huge risk that you take by extending the ball. Yeah, my issue though is that if you do it anywhere else in the field, it, it, that that's that the rule doesn't apply. So you could theoretically roll the ball 10 yards when you're at your own 40. You could just roll it as far as you want down the field. So that's that's the argument I would have. But that's not true, it. though. Yeah, it goes back to where you rolled it. Yeah. It goes back to and, where you lost it. Not only that, if you're the offense and you're pinned back in your own end zone and you throw the ball back behind your end zone, it's a safety, which is even worse. Like, that's a even worse – like, that I agree with. I think the rule's fine the way it is because it incite it's – it makes you be conscious and protect the ball. You have to be thinking about the consequences of your actions by fumbling the ball at the back of the end zone. But that that's just my thought. I, I like the rules the way that they are. Um, I think it adds a little bit more of a uh, – a little, a little more um, randomness to the game too. That. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I like the idea of the randomness of it. I like the idea of the punishment that you receive if you don't protect the football right around the goal line. If you want to reach for the goal line, be my guest. That's fine. It's the risk-reward ratio. It goes ex exponentially higher uh, as you do that. The other, the other rule that, that was discussed here, and we'll get your thoughts as well around the chat and around the room, is the whole can you push quarterback sneak? Scrum, yeah. Can you scrum like the Eagles have done the past two years now? And it's pretty much to this point now where the, the Eagles on third and one or fourth and one, if they have to get a yard, maybe a yard and a half, maybe even two yards at times, it's, it's, it's as close to 100% as, as you can get in football. Um, some think that, hey, if you don't like that, stop it. If you don't want them to be able to go for it on third and one, fourth and one, don't let them get to third and one, fourth and one. And some are obviously uh, are in Reed Mouse's camp where you believe that just in, in – in nature of the rule and the game itself, that's just not what you should be able to do because it's too big of an advantage. Yeah, so the NFL already looked into this rule this past year. They decided to let it happen. Um, I know a lot of people in the NFL camp, it's, they, they say it's a dangerous play because it's, people are diving down at each other's legs. There's so much contact. It's basically a car collision. It's, it's very rugby-esque, and they say it's unsafe. Let me, let me state my claim. As, as bad as this sounds, I really don't have an opinion on the the safety nature of the play i think it's just an unfair play for for a while there you couldn't push the running back the, the famous bush push and and what happened in college football for a while there you couldn't push the running back now you can and the eagles are exploiting this rule listen if, if you guys say well that seems like a loser mentality that that uh that you're arguing that you can't stop it so they should just change rule listen this has happened in sports over and over we just saw it happen in baseball uh, hitters couldn't figure out a way to hit around the shift, so they just banned it. We saw this in basketball back in the 60s. Like, Wilt Chamberlain was just standing in the middle of the paint and just swatting balls out of out of nature. And they said, all right, you can't do that anymore. That's called goaltending. You can change the rules when things become an unfair advantage. And I think that's exactly what the Eagles have right now. You literally cannot stop this play when it's third and short, fourth and short. And I think that's damaging to the game. And I think that it... It takes away the art of the game a little bit. I know some people are saying, well, it's hard-nosed football. And that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with hard-nosed football. I'm just saying that it seems unfair that this play can continue on because for the longest time, you could push a you could push a, a you couldn't push a running back. Now you can. And I would argue, what happens when the defense pushes a back back? 
right? If the defense starts pushing the running back back and say, all right, forward progress was stopped here, you can't push him back any farther. Well, the offense can push him forward now. So it, it, in the whole punch-counterpunch thing, there's, no, there's nothing that the defense can do. I just think it's an unfair play. That's a good point, but I do think it's, it is a physical game. I think if you're going to QB sneak, I think as much as they've tried to eliminate this play, I think it's been happening for quite some time, whether, you, whether, whether I mean, it's been accepted or not. I just think it's part of the game. It's, it's physical football. When you're at the goal line, you're going to QB sneak it. I don't understand why the running back, the guys behind him, can't push him forward. I just think it's, I think it's more fun. Well, I, it's, it, the reason that I think is because the defense can't do that, right? The, if the defense pushes you backwards, it stops where the forward progress has stopped. Why does the offense get an advantage to be able to continue to push you forward, but the defense doesn't have the same advantage the other way? So I, before I actually make this take here, I wanted to make sure that this is a rule. So I, I haven't been able to determine if this is a rule or not. But offenses, they can push their ball carriers forward. Why can't a linebacker push a defensive lineman? That's a good I mean, point. I mean, it's, it, they're doing the same thing. Eventually, these teams are going to get wise to it. I mean, they know what they're doing. It's all bunched up. No one's running a route. No, everyone is as close as they possibly can be. So you know it's telegraphed. It's coming. So when they figure that out and they start doing the same thing to them, it's going to get stopped. That's why I don't have a problem with it. I mean, it, until I can find out if it's a rule or not, because I don't know if it's a rule that defenders can't push each other forward. I don't know that. Um, but, well, you know, I mean, well, it's the, just... The problem is, is the way that it's set up is, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's no way for a defensive lineman to counteract what the offense is doing because what the offense is doing is basically a chop block. All the interior linemen are diving directly down at the defensive lineman's legs. And then what happens is, is Jalen Hurts stays really low and the guys come over top. The only way that you can combat this right now is diving over top of the offense, or offensive line and hitting him before Jalen Hurts gets low enough to where the offensive linemen are. And, I, and I, this is, there's another aspect to it that a lot of people don't like this when, when people bring this up. But sports are an entertainment uh, – it's an entertainment business – so it's more on the entertainment side than just good, honest rules and, and following the way the sport was meant to be played. And I think it's been an offensive league for quite some time. You can see it on defensive pass interferences. You see all the, the rules stacked against the defense. And it's just how the game's played. It's just an offensive league. I'm going to unfortunately have to deal with uh, it. I'm going to obliterate that point. Yeah, I was going to so, say. So what's, it, what's, it is what's entertaining. So yeah, that, that, that's that. the argument that me and Reed are making. Like, it's entertaining because there's something to watch. If it's third and one and fourth and one every time and it's a 98% chance they're going to get it, then that's, football, that's becomes, football becomes not as fun anymore. It, it's just not. So they're going to change the rule because it's too big of an advantage. They'll, they'll, they're going to hide behind the safety mechanism of that, which is fine. Whatever they got to do to get the rule passed, they'll, they'll make it about safety. Of course, they will in the NFL. They'll act like they, the safety is exactly what they're going for. Uh, when in reality, it's just a, it's a rule change that needs to happen. The other rule change, if we want to get into rule change in the NFL, we'll get your thoughts on this as well, is I think, I think that the biggest issue that I have with any rule in the NFL is defensive pass interference. It's the, the, the whole... The whole you, you, you get a 40-yard penalty on a spot foul is ridiculous. It, it, is, it is by far the most ridiculous because not only is it a huge penalty, but it's also the hardest call to make in sports, in my opinion. Or maybe the block charge. Maybe the block charge in basketball, you could argue, is harder. But the pass interference, non-pass interference, 
is the hardest judgment call there is to make in football, period. And just the idea that a referee is making a decision that, that it could be a 40 or 50-yard penalty is ludicrous to me. I'm okay with the idea of it being half the distance of the penalty up to 20 yards. I'm cool with that. But like, if you're going to throw a 50-yard pass and somehow a guy gets tripped up or he falls over or maybe it's a little bit of a bump and you're like, was that pass interference? I don't know, but it's a 50-yard penalty. That's a huge penalty in a football game. It should never be that. It should never be that. The only thing that I could agree with is that when you get down towards the goal line, right, maybe it is a spot foul, you get the ball at the one-yard line. Because otherwise, there would be teams that would just start tackling guys in the end zone if it's only a half the distance at the end of a game, right? If, it's, if there's 15 seconds left in a game and it's only half the distance and the team's on the 10-yard line, they would be wise for two plays in a row just to tackle every receiver. Because at that point, then you would just get half the distance twice the game would probably be with, what, one or two seconds left on the clock at most, and you'd have the ball at, like, the two-yard line, which, at that point, that wouldn't make any sense. So, outside of a ball going into the end zone, they have to change that rule eventually. It's just too much. I mean, I get that it needs to be a severe penalty because you can't just tackle receivers. That would take away the fun of the game. But these penalties where they're, like, 40-yard penalties, guys, that's the only one that I hate. Honestly, in the NFL, I don't know what your opinion is on defensive pass interference, but the offensive pass interference, it's only like, you know, it, that's not a spot foul, obviously. So that can only go back a certain amount of yards. Right. I don't know. I See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sag on this one because ta talking about what Elliot brought up earlier in, in the game being more entertaining, by doing spot fouls, that generates more points in two ways. One, when a foul happens, yeah, they can go 40 yards downfield. And secondly, that gives defensive um, backs – it makes it harder for them to defend the deep ball because they know that if they if they create a penalty there, they're going to get the ball right where the penalty happens. So it gives more opportunity for, for deep balls to happen downfield, and it, and it makes it, honestly, a, a better, a more enjoyable product that more points are going to be scored because of this rule. And I'm okay with that. In, in all honesty, I am okay with that. Yeah, I mean, this this goes back to my point. Reed just said it. It's It's an entertainment business. This is, makes it drastically more entertaining. When there's four seconds left and you're at midfield, you need a touchdown and you throw a Hail Mary, NFL now gives you a chance to put the ball at the one-yard line on a defensive pass interference, maybe tie the game, maybe go to overtime. It's just, it's just for the entertainment value. I agree that it's not right. I yeah, agree that yeah, it's stupid. Right, right. It's stupid, but it's, it goes back to the point for, for Reed's point. It, it, it makes the game more interesting. The, the, the NFL is rigged – or not rigged. I so if say. you two it, are going it's, it's it, it, it makes it harder for the defense. It, it's an offensive league. You, it's a Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. It's a quarterback league. When you play Madden, you, people skim the defensive part. You just play offense. So that's, 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 what, that's the reason for it. That's fine. So if that's the goal of every league and that's what we're trying to do is just be entertaining, then I don't want to hear either one of you, both of you over there, to ever complain about robo-umps ever again. I don't want you to be like, I don't want to hear about umpiring. I don't want you I'm to like get it right. No, I know you are because you want, the call to, you, call, you want the calls to be right. You want the game to be fair because you want to see the best team win. Oh, right no, now no, what no, you're no, stating no, is – no, 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 no. Right no. now what you're stating is is that you're cool with these 40- and 50-yard penalties because the entertainment value goes up, but the, better, but the better team doesn't get a chance to win because there's these dumbass rules. That's what you're saying, and that's I, what you're saying. So I, I don't want to hear it. I don't no, want to just no. to be clear. Trace, that's, do not that's, hurt the wrong. Entertainment value. that's wrong. Trace. Robo umps do not hurt the entertainment value. In fact, they make it more entertaining because you know when a ball is a ball and a strike's a strike, you're not going to sit there and scream at the screen going, "How is that a strike?" That's you way want more the game to be fair. You want Trace. the game to be fair, and that's all I'm saying. The NFL, the game, fairness. 
if entertainment not, if entertainment trumps fairness, then they shouldn't have robo umps because you're going to get arguments. You're going to get more times more times than not. You're going to get players pissed off, and that's more entertaining. How many times have you seen a a I don't want to be pissed off. Hold on. What? I don't want to be pissed off at the umpire. That's not that's entertaining fine. to me. So the next time, that's fine. It it's all comes down to one thing, one thing only. Most times, more times than not with these rules, it's whatever happens to your team. If your team gets a call, you're cool with it. If your team doesn't get a call, you're not cool with it. If you have a really good team, more times than not, you want the game to be fair. So why? Because the better team usually wins. That's what the rules are supposed to be in place for. This whole notion of hiding behind well, I don't want the rule to be changed because with 10 seconds left in the game, I'd like my team to be able to throw a 60-yard pass and, he, and a guy trips over the defensive back's feet and the, 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 the blind guy throws a flag on the play and next thing you know, it's a 60-yard gain. But if, but if the rule was the, the opposite way, the defense would then have an advantage because yeah. they, could, they could start... They would just keep doing it. Yeah, they would just... Like, if you're on the 20-yard line and there's 10 seconds to go, you just, you just keep... Doing defensive pass interference, you just tackle the guys like you said. Not, if, get, not if it's in get, the end zone, because then it's a spot foul. So you can't. If you're on the 20 yard line, you throw a pass in the end zone. It's pass interference. Well, it goes, I'm saying it if goes it was your one. way, if it was your way, that to where it's just a 15 yard penalty. Or I don't think you're listening. You just use an example that if it was at the 20 yard line at the end yeah. of the game, you would tackle someone in the end zone. Am I talking to myself in here or or what here, chat? If you throw it into the end zone, read and you tackle a guy in the end zone, the ball's at the one yard line. Spot foul. Correct. One yard That's line. how it is right now. That's, how That's it is right now. what it should be forever. Okay. But so, if you're on your own 20-yard line and you throw a 60-yard pass, you don't get the ball 60 yards down the field. Just not how it should work. Wait, wait, wait. I, would, I, would, I, would argue, I would argue that that even more so because then if, you're, if they're on their own 20-yard line and they go downfield, I would tell them just to maul the guys because they're only going to yeah. move the ball 15 yards downfield. Yeah, that that's a terrible. Uh, at the, the end of the game, role. when yeah. you get the ball at the end of the game and you need a touchdown, they're just gonna tackle your guys, and it's gonna be a twenty-yard penalty, and then you're gonna just chunk your way down. The clock's gonna run out. Well, it completely it, it, it gets rid of something that's completely entertaining. And maybe I'm not understanding your point, but if you're at the yeah, 40, if not... you're at the opposing forty-yard line and you get it to the end zone and they tackle you in the end zone, you're saying it's a spot foul. That's what you're, that's yeah, what you're that's what you If argue. you can get if you can get the ball into the end zone, it's a pass interference in the end zone. Then yes, it would be a spot foul at the one yard line. Yeah, but that's the same. But that that's but, the rule as yeah, it is right what, now. I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't, you've lost three of us now. You because, can you can sit up there and grin and everything. You're trying to make a point <laughs> that three people in the room, seventy five percent of the room, isn't comprehending because you're because you're going in circles. What do you want the rule to be, Trace? What do you want the rule to be? He wants he wants you it, want it to be a 15-yard penalty? penalty unless you're unless your guy is tackled in the end zone, in which case it's a spot foul. But if you're at the 40-yard line, it takes away that point anyway. It should be half the distance of the foul, up to 20 yards. Simple as that. If okay. you get tackled in the end zone, then that changes the rule. Then it would be a spot foul at the one-yard line. I don't know why that's so hard to complicate or or or. or, or well, what if you what if you cause a pass interference that's on the five-yard line, and it's going into the end zone, but they tackled the guy at the five-yard line. It's not a spot foul at the five-yard right, line. Right? Yeah. Then, then you. This is only a fifteen-yard, twenty-yard penalty. Right? Yeah. Well, then that, that completely <laughs> ruins that rule. That's, that's, that's a massive defensive advantage. Okay. We'll see how long you like it, because ultimately, if you're the, be <laughs> if you're the better, if you're the, the better team, forever. nobody likes it. It's just uh, how it's. It's just how it is. It's not fair. It's just it, the the defense has been that's the, the, that, that's the, the best point. The we'll, we'll move on here because I'm sure that the chat's just sick and tired of listening to this rambling on, rambling on, rambling on. But what's the the best point that was just made that Elliot just said? It's not fair. 
but it's just fun. It's fun. What's the point of sports? What's the point of rules in the first place? The point of the rules in and of itself are to create the game in a way in which it's fair. There's equitable results. Could you imagine there being like, oh, in the, in the, in the, in the ninth inning now, if you hit a home run, it's worth four. Well, that, why? Because it's more entertaining. Okay, well, that's what, that's what like, the XFL does because, it's not inter- because they don't have a product that's worthwhile to watch. This is the National Football League. This isn't some gimmick show that you got to come up with ways to make it more entertaining. Let's make it fair. Let's make it when you're watching a game, we want to see the better team win. I'd argue it's fair. I'd argue both it's fair. Get to, both it's not fair them. when you throw a 60-yard pass and a guy trips over a guy's foot, and next thing you know, you got a 60-yard penalty. Don't trip over Meanwhile, the guy's foot. No, listen, stay, Casey. Stay standing. Meanwhile, if you want to talk about defensive holding, the, the, the cornerbacks could just tackle the receivers when, when, right when the ball snapped, and, and what's the penalty on that, Casey? Well, it's a t- five, ten yard. Fr- five it's an yard, automatic no, first down, a, though. It's a it's five a, yard penalty. Yeah, it's an automatic first, first down, though. Oh, automatic, automatic first down. down. <laughs> All right, we'll keep it moving. Is that not a huge advantage? I think that's a huge advantage. Right. I, and, and, and to argue against the point about what you were saying to to cross sports and say that it's more entertaining the way that the MLB currently has it as against robo ums, I I would highly disagree with that. I think it's way more entertaining to get balls and strikes right. Yeah, I mean, you, you get the occasional argument, but we already tell people if they argue balls and strikes, you're that's missing just the point. Out of the game. I'll, I'll stop talking because they've missed every point I've made in here, which is <laughs> which, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, and it's fun, and that's fine. It's it's almost like what it's almost like uh, in a way. Maybe this will sound a little egotistic, but right now I feel like I'm sitting in here and I'm Einstein. And I'm trying to explain just basic arithmetic to somebody, and they're all just like, "Ooh, two plus two? What is that?" I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll just move on. If I have to explain to you that I just want the rules to be fair and I'm using the robo-umps as an example, you can't sit here and say that you want robo-umps, but then on the other side of the coin, like Elliot's been saying, oh, I don't want that rule to change because I think it's entertaining. I, don't, I know it's not fair, but I want to keep it entertaining. That's the point I'm making. Elliot can't sit here on one side of his mouth and say he wants robo-umps because the only thing he cares about is making the game fair and equitable. And then on the other side, say, well, I don't want a 60-yard penalty to go away because it's not fair, but it's more entertaining. That's the way it should be. That's the point I'm making. We're done. We're going to move on. It's Friday. There's a lot to talk about so besides saying, this. Just to clarify, you're saying I lost that argument. I think that, the, that, that you're talking out both sides of your mouth when you say that you want robo I don't think I am. But on the other side, you don't want a rule to change I, that you I said is not fair. Let's go right back in. Let's go right back in. Here we go. Let me, here we go. Let me, let's, let's unfold <laughs> this. Let's get this fully out. Hey, you don't get to just you don't get to say your piece and then in, in the Yeah, what is here. that? I mean, I know you're the host, but come on here. I mean, let give me, us a chance to, to fight back. Let me clarify something in the chat. Let me say this one thing. You're saying that it's unfair for the offense right now, and we are also arguing that if we change the rule the way that you're proposing, it then gives an unfair advantage to the defense and if we have an unfair advantage going one way we'd prefer it to be to the offense and so people know in the chat it's only holding one yard to five yards past that it turns into pass interference yep it's then then it becomes a spot foul it's not the other way around where you can hold a guy 60 yards down no it's pass interference if you're 60 yards down the field and you hold a guy that's where you're just wrong you, ine- you inevitably are wrong with that. In fact, if the quarterback hasn't thrown the football case, he gets holding. That's what it is. You could, got, you could have a guy 20 yards down the field. If the quarterback's running around scrambling and they tackle a receiver, it's holding. That's the call. I rest my case. We'll move on. We'll talk about something else. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, we could talk about last night's game and, and the two teams that we, can, that we saw and 
The Philadelphia Eagles have now given up 700 passing yards in two games to... But they're 2-0, and and that's all that really matters in the NFL. So Correct. who cares about what it looks Correct. like? Correct. That, that, is, that is a that's point Reed's that I've point. made. That's that is Reed's a good point. point. I still think that the Philadelphia Eagles are a top-five team and Super Bowl contenders. But at the end of the day, I mean, are we, are we talking about this, this amazing defense that everyone has said was great last year and has gotten better and... Is giving up 350 yards to Michael McCorkle Jones and 350 yards to Kirk Cousins. They almost lost a game in which the opposing team turned the ball over five times. Yeah, secondary is bad for Philadelphia, but the issue with Philadelphia is that their offense is so good and they can score at will. So I, I, I mean, I'm not concerned. They're only going to get better as, as the season goes on. Uh, the Eagles will be fine. The Vikings, on the other hand, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson are good enough to just will their way to a playoff berth, maybe. Alexander Mattinson has proved that he can't run the ball. So they have no running game. I think at halftime he had like two carries for negative seven yards. So the, the, the Vikings are a one-way team. They can only throw and catch. That's the only way they're going to score points. But to their credit, they have the best receiver in football. I don't, I don't think the Vikings are a playoff team for that reason alone. They, they can only do one thing. But the Eagles, I, I, I mean, the Eagles are great. The Vikings are not great. To, to be fair about the whole one-dimensional thing of the Minnesota Vikings is – they, they got down pr pretty early on, and, and, you know, they're putting the ball on the ground left and right to the point where running the ball was, was never really an option for them because of the way that the game started. And I know there was a bit of back and forth in, in the first quarter and a half, but, I mean, after after the first four minutes of the second half, it was it was pass, it was pass city for, for the Vikings. So they could only pass the ball in the second half of the game. And, and they've got an elite passing game. I mean, Trace has sat there and said that Kirk Cousins is a really good thrower of the ball. And, you know, I, I tend to agree. And he's got the best wide receiver in the league. TJ Hawkinson's a good threat. I mean, you got like a 10% chance in the NFL history of starting 0-2 and making the postseason. I know the Bengals did it last year, but it just doesn't happen a whole lot. Minnesota is still in a bad division. The NFC North is a bad division. That it does it would not surprise me whatsoever if the Minnesota Vikings win nine games and sneak in a wild card spot. I would tend to agree with that, largely just based off the division they play in. You know, I, I think if you play in a really, really tough division, starting 0-2, um, very, very difficult. But when you look at the Vikings. Uh, the Buccaneers is a tough loss because I don't think any of us around the room thought the Buccaneers were probably going to be a team that you would be like, oh, they're going to be a pretty good team. So that's that one. That one's tough to swallow. But as you look as you look at the rest of the way, the only other issue that the Vikings have is that they were the you know they basically won the division uh, last year, which requires them to have. And this is a good rule for the NFL. Why? Because it's a great league. Because there's parity involved, and uh, they got to go and play also number one seeds. So. You know, they, they find themselves with the Bengals on the schedule. They find themselves uh, with the NFC South, it looks like, with the Vi or excuse me, with the Falcons and the Saints, which I know those are two teams that theoretically you might think aren't great, but they're, I think those are decent teams. And they play the 49ers, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. And then obviously they have their division opponents. It's not the easiest schedule. So that's yeah. the thing in the NFL that you could – you could push back on whenever whenever someone says, well, they, you know, if you finished first in your division last year, you still have to be a pretty damn good team to get through it, no matter no matter what the division outlook looks like. I'm not a believer in the Bears. I don't I don't know about the Packers. I really don't. I don't know. I just think the Bears are bad. I really do. I think that's part of it. And and you know, the Lions are probably the team that I think is the team to beat within that division. But if I was a Vikings fan, I'd still hold out a little bit of hope. For for what it's worth, it's worth a lot. Two games in, they fumbled the ball <laughs> six times. A National Football League team fumbled the ball six times in the first two games, yeah, and they lost. They've lost a total by nine points. 
I mean, those are things, like, if you're throwing the ball away, like, if you're having interceptions, that's a problem. That's something that you can, that you could see not trending in the right direction. You're like, all right, your quarterback is just going to keep, keep throwing picks. Fumbles are certainly something that I feel like you can work on. Fumbles are certainly something that almost seem an anomaly in, in the NFL at times. Six fumbles in the first two games cannot persist throughout this season. So That's you got to think that the Vikings are, I mean, they're going to hold the ball better. And like I said, they've turned the ball over now seven times in two games and have lost by a total of nine points. That's true. Uh, to get back to the, the point from earlier, what Casey was talking about with the first five yards, I do think what you were thinking of was the fact that you can actually push uh, so you can push and jam receivers for the first five yards, and then after the five yards, then it would turn into a penalty. Um, illegal contact. Illegal contact, yes. Um, in regards to other sports, right, the Reds. I see the chat. You guys are screaming. You want to talk about the Reds? You want to talk about the Reds? I'm not saying there's nothing to talk about here with the Cincinnati Reds, but everything that has happened is all right in front of you, and I don't really think that there is a whole lot left outside of whether they play well or whether they don't. There's, there's no real discussion anymore of somebody coming in to save the season, right? The white knight analogy. Um, Hunter Green is a guy that we were talking about around the all-star break about wait until we get Lodolo and Green back. That's going to save the season or that's going to help, obviously, and those types of things. Outside of Matt McClain, who's dealing with an oblique injury where it looks bleak, and I don't mean that as like some funny phrase, but that's just the word that came to mind. I, I, I think the Reds are who they are, and they have who they have. At this point, can they find a way to get hot enough to make the postseason and, and, and maybe, maybe at best, find a way to, to band-aid the starting rotation? And that's the issue that we're standing, uh, standing right before our eyes is pitching. Bullpen has been excellent. It's been unbelievable. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but it just can't be this way the rest of the year. The bullpen can't go out and throw 20 straight scoreless innings. They can't take over a game in the middle of the third inning or the middle of the fourth inning with a one-run lead and, and preserve it. It's unsustainable. We all know that's unsustainable. However, this offense, I'll continue to say it, has to find a way to carry the load. It has to find a way to carry the load. Six, seven, eight runs a game is what I think it's going to take the rest of the way out for this team to find themselves in a situation where they can win 10 more games this year. We've done this debate before. We'll do it again. I don't know how many wins it's going to take to make the postseason. But it certainly feels like you're right around the definitely the double digits. In order to win double-digit games for the rest of the year, we're going to need to get production out of first base. This is the hardest, probably, decision that David Bell's had to make all year, and he's had 60 pitchers to put in. What do you do about Joey Votto? Joey Votto's a guy that we've all seen play long enough to know that there's still something in there from time to time that can help this Reds team. Yes. I don't think Joey Votto is a charity case at this point. I don't think Joey Votto is a guy that, that, that when you stick him out there, you know he's an automatic out. That's certainly not the case. I don't want that to sound like what it is at all. But there is, a, there is at least a healthy question to be asked. What happens when you have the opportunity to play Joey Votto and or CES? And it appears and looks as if 
that question is harder and harder and harder to answer. Why? Because CES has not been a world beater when he's come up to the big leagues. He's not been the guy, rightfully so, by the way. I'm not saying he should have been. He's not been the guy that he was at AAA when, when you had unbelievable power. He's going three for four every other night, hitting two home runs here and there. That's not happened. But one could make the argument that he's not, he's not gotten enough opportunities at the big league level to prove whether or not he can get hot at the big league level the same way that he was capable of doing it at the AAA level. And then you have Joey Votto. Who? Has not looked good. I don't know what you do. <laughs> it's one of the few times I just hold, I just, I just plead the fifth, honestly. I just plead the fifth. Because I see both sides of the aisle. I see the joy of Otto, of what he's done for the franchise, of who he is, of what he's still possibly capable of. And you say, you know what? The hell with it. We're going to run him out there because he's done enough for this city. He's done enough for this franchise. And, and, and if you think for one second that we're in the middle of a playoff race and we're not going to play Joey Votto just because he struggled the last 20 games, not happening. He's going out there and he's playing. I could understand that argument. I, I could completely understand it. I could also understand the argument of the other side of the aisle that says, you know what? We don't, who, who cares? That's the past is the past. We've paid the guy. He's gotten paid for his services. It's not like he's done this for free. Yep. It's not like this is a charity case where you have to play him just because he's Joey Votto. We got another guy over here that we think can help us win or has a better chance of helping us win. He should play. That's a fair argument too. I don't know where you stand on this. I don't know where you go from this. I don't know how you digest this. It's not the easiest thing to digest. Elliot, what is your overall opinion on the matter that is Joey Votto? Does he play every day? Does he not? Joey Votto right now is the better option compared to what we have on the bench. Not CES, right? I'm, I'm not talking about CES because CES is going to play against lefties. Votto is going to play against righties. That's how it's going to work. Should he play every day at this current moment? No, he should not. Joey Votto should not. He's a 198 hitter for the season. Just not going his way. I think he does have power in spurts. But the issue with power in spurts is that you can go five games without power, and then you're like, why, why, why have you been playing? So if you're, if you're banking on the Joey Votto home run, I don't think that is what you should be doing at this point. I just want good at bats. Joey Votto grounded out uh, into a double play yesterday on the first pitch. It was just an uncharacteristically bad play by Joey Votto, who in his career has been patient. He's been professional at the plate. I, again, he's changed his approach this year. He's changed his swing completely. His plate discipline's been... I'm not going to say bad. It's been different, I would say, the approach. Joey Votto is not an everyday player, but he does have a spot on this team. If, if, there, if, it's, if there's two men on with one out, I still would take Joey Votto against a righty because I do believe in his ability, even against a lefty. I would take his ability to get on base more than half the guys in the lineup right now. I still, I still believe his ability to draw a clutch walk, and I know people don't like walks, but it's what he's been best at in his career, being able to, like Trace said yesterday, frame at bats, frame pitches uh, as a batter, which is so, which is so, which is so important, and not a lot of not a lot of batters do in the MLB. So, do I think he should play every single day? No, but I think he's more than earned, uh, and even this season, he's earned a spot on the roster. Kyle Schwarber again, he's hitting one a buck eighty. He's got forty home runs, granted. But it's the same type of thing. He's not good defensively. He's really not good on. Uh, he's really not good at anything else other than home runs. I think he has more home runs than singles. So, 
Joey Votto has a spot, but it's just, you know, it's you're going to have to deal with it for the next 15 games. I don't think Stuart Fairchild is – you want Stuart Fairchild in to pinch hit? I don't. I certainly don't. I don't want Kevin Newman up there taking pinch hit at bats away from Joey Votto. So if you go down the 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 I'm not gonna say the garbage, but the bottom of the bottom of the bench, I still want Joey Votto over every single one of those guys. Every single one of them. Do I want him taking at bats over Will Benson? No, but that's not the that's not the that's not the question here. It's over CES. Should he play every day? And that answer is no. Well, at this point, you could make the argument that, that you could start shifting the lineup around because Marte's a guy that looks like you'd like for him to be in the lineup every single day, and he's just... And it could be, you know what, it, before I say this, it could be Marte based off the fact that he got he had the broken nose with the eyes and the whole situation. That might just be why he's not playing every day because they want to take it easy. That's very possible. But you can make the case that, that Marte needs to play every day. You can make the case that Steer needs to play every day. You can make the case that Ellie, although struggles, and he has struggled. Ellie shouldn't be playing every day. <laughs> you can make the case, though, that Ellie brings more to the table than a guy like Joey Votto. I don't think that's a, that's, that's not a hard at argument this current to make. Moment, at this current moment, you want Ellie De La Cruz at the plate over Joey Votto? Yes, I do. Yeah, because if, if Ellie De La Cruz gets on base, that changes things significantly. It just does. It's not taking anything away from Joey, but Joey's hit 130 in his last seven to ten games or something like that. Ellie's hitting 150 over his last and, 60. And guess what? That's 20 points better than Joey's last yeah, 10. I know, and I, on I, top I, of that, and on top of that, every other expected way of being able to be better at baseball than just getting on base, Ellie De La Cruz is better than Joey Votto in every aspect. Now, you could make the you could make the argument, though, what about defense? Well, they're playing two different different defensive positions, so that's irrelevant. But my point is, is that if you're if, – Ellie's playing. He's just playing. That's it, it, it. That's a that's it's a non it's a non-starter. It's not it's a non-starter. It's not even an argument. Why? Because at, at the end of all of this, the real question lies. That is, what is exactly that we're trying to accomplish in the first place? Yes, we're, we're trying to uh, make the postseason without a, without a shadow of doubt. That's the main goal right now. With you know 15 games left. However, we're not going to start sitting young players. For guys like Nick Martini, I would hope, when it would when 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 I would like to get experience underneath the belts of these guys that we're going to rely on here moving forward. Now you can say that's a loser's mentality. Oh, you don't want to. Do that. But in general terms, I don't think that Elliot La Cruz is that bad where you have to sit him. One, two. I think Noel V. Marte should be playing every day. Spencer Steer should be playing every day. If there's a righty on the mound, do you want Will Benson or do you want Joey Votto? Will Benson. I, I, again, this is not an argument for anything. Ellie De La Cruz will play every day. He should play every day. I'm not saying that. But if it's a pinch hit situation and, 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 it's, a, and it's a left-handed pitcher, I don't want Ellie De La Cruz at the plate. I don't, I don't want it. I'd rather have Joey Votto against a lefty than Ellie De La Cruz uh, as a right-handed hitter against a lefty. I think Ellie De La Cruz has been bad. Yesterday, again, people don't like to talk about this. I, I, I know I'm, I'm going to get ostracized in the chat for it. But Ellie De La Cruz has been one of the worst players on the team for the past two months. He has been. He has 12 errors. All those people who say Jonathan India is bad at defense, Ellie De La Cruz has been worse. And that's not something people like to, to hear. Offensively, bad. Bad at bats, bad, bad plate discipline. Does he have the ability to, to be one of the best players in the sport? 100% he does. Should he get the experience like Trace is saying? 100% yes. But if you're arguing for Joey Votto not to get at-bats in a playoff race because he can't do it anymore, I'd argue in a playoff race, Ellie De La Cruz taking at-bats at this juncture isn't helping the team either. If, if Ellie De La Cruz, I mean, made two costly errors yesterday, 
So I, I, I mean, <laughs> and this has been a, this has been a trend for the past month and a half. Do I think Joey Vio should be an everyday player at this current rate, at his current production level? No, I do not. Ellie De La Cruz is in the same boat. The difference is Ellie De La Cruz is a prospect. He's young. He's 21 years old. And I'm not saying I have doubt on Ellie De La Cruz's future. I'm just saying if you look at statistics, which is what everybody's doing to Joey Votto, and you look at Ellie De La Cruz, they're very similar. Both have been unproductive. This doesn't, I don't think, adds anything to the argument that I, or debate that you guys are having right now, but... Let me throw a hypothetical out for you. Tie and run on third. Go ahead, run on second, ninth inning. Who would you rather hit, Ellie or, or Joey? Is it a right-handed pitcher? It is. Uh, we'll do the left-handed pitcher. I'd rather have Joey Votto. Because Joey Votto can draw a walk. Ellie De La Cruz cannot. You're taking Ellie, Trace. Keep in mind, Ellie was taken out yesterday uh, for a lefty for Nick Senzel. Well, Nick Senzel, uh, uh, objectively, has been Correct. an all-star against left-handed pitching. So, yeah, I would do that. Yeah, but, I mean, it's Ellie De La Cruz. But it's Nick Senzel against left-handed pitching, which is a different— which you're, is a, subbing which is a completely different. you're subbing a generational talent out for Nick Senzel. That's, that's, that's my argument. Well, that's, there, that's, 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 there's nobody that's, in the right that's mind. The argument, that's the argument of people, of, of people that, that just look at it holistically and say, okay, what, the, okay. do me a favor, Reed. What, was Bob, what, what did Bobby DeWitt Jr. do with his first year in the big leagues? I want to know. I want to know. I want to know what Bobby Dewitt Jr. did his first year in the big leagues. What? What? How old he was, and then I want to know how old he is now and what he's doing now. And yes, if you want to make the argument, tooth and nail, that who cares about anything? We got 15 games left. Let's get in the postseason. That's fine. Let's play the game of sitting Ellie De La Cruz for just a second. Let's 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 paint the picture because many of you think that he's the worst player on this team right now, and maybe you maybe maybe you're right. I'm Statistically, not to, he is. I'm not here to argue that. I'm not here to argue that. Who's who plays shortstop? Let's run right down through it. Who plays shortstop for the Cincinnati it would be Reds? Mar it would be Noel V. Marte. Okay, so Noel V. Marte plays shortstop. Jonathan, he takes second. Also, base. by the way, Noel V. Marte, not a guy that's played shortstop a lot, but we'll he's he's not played shortstop a lot as he's come up through the minor ranks. He has played shortstop before, but let's just say he's the shortstop now. Who's playing third base? Uh, Spencer Steer. Spencer Steer. All right. This is against a right-handed pitcher, I assume. Sure, yeah. Right-handed right. pitcher, left-handed pitcher, doesn't matter. He will be at third you base. You got Jonathan India at second base. Who do you have at first base? It would be, if it's against a lefty, it's, it's Encarnacion Strand. If it's a righty, it's Joey Votto. Okay. And who's DHing in that situation? Jake Fraley. Probably. I mean, if it's, uh, again... Who's playing right field if Jake it, Fraley's playing? It would be... Uh, you're going to run Hunter Renfro out there? Be, you, you if cool, it's a lefty, you, it's Nick Senzel. I mean, you just switch. We switch back and forth. The point I'm saying is, by the way, Noel Lee hasn't played shortstop. How, how many how, how many errors can, can Ellie have this season before everybody's like, maybe his all-star caliber defense hasn't been up to snuff? He's, he's had 12 errors at shortstop. 11 errors at shortstop. 12 for the season. One at third base. So defensively, you're not losing anything with Noel V. Marte. I know everybody crushed Jonathan India for the defensive metrics. Ellie De La Cruz defensively has been horrible. So, I, I mean, can he make, can he make the all-star play every once in a while? 100%. And this isn't an Ellie De La Cruz hate train. I'm not hating on Ellie De La Cruz. It's statistics. If you want to look at statistics for righty-lefty, if you want to look at statistics for Joey Votto, you have to look at statistics for Ellie De La Cruz, who hasn't been good. He hasn't been good for two months. He had the two-week stretch when he came up. That was great. And, and, and I, I'm, for one, I say that that type of stuff matters. I think the, the stuff you can't quantify, the stuff that doesn't – 
bring anything to the trade table, that stuff's important. I see it in Jonathan India. I see it in Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz sparked a fire in this city. It sparked a fire with the national media. It sparked a fire with everybody. But statistically, over the past two months, he's been the worst offensive player on the team and one of the worst defensive players on the team. Should he start every game? Maybe. Yeah, probably. He's a prospect. He's 21 years old. He has a bright future ahead. But if you're going to sit there and argue that Joey Votto shouldn't take at-bats because he can't produce during a playoff race, neither should Ellie De La Cruz. And that's well, my point. If Joey Votto if Ellie De La Cruz wants to pinch run, pinch run him. That's, that's, what, that's what your argument is. Let's get him on base. Sit, put him on the bench. Save him for when we need it in the ninth inning. Have him pinch run. Steal all the bases. That's, 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 that's what I'm trying to get at. And I'm not hating on Ellie De La Cruz. I love Ellie De La Cruz. Love him. Going to be a great player. He's 21 years old. He's young. He should be taking as many at-bats as he can. He should be learning. He should be growing. But, if, but my point is, if you're going to sit there and argue statistics and everything, look at Ellie De La Cruz's stats. He hasn't been good. According to Nick Kirby, Ellie De La Cruz is in the 92nd percentile in outs above average, which is defensive metrics saying that so he's basically top of the league listen i think it's fair to say and this is where the analytics stuff becomes very difficult because it's hard to it's hard to until i know what it is behind the metrics it's hard for me to say oh yeah i'm all in on that stat or i'm not and, and you know what take it at face value i'll i'll assume that that's good However, I want to know why you get to that actual math equation because there has been situations and instances where when I watch a baseball game, I will say it out loud, Matt McClain makes plays that Ellie probably doesn't make in some instances. But you know what? There are plays that Ellie does make that he makes them look a little bit effortless that I think are a lot more difficult. There are balls that Ellie gets to that probably, without, without, without trying to slander players that we have, that Jonathan Ennie doesn't even sniff. Jonathan is just watching it roll into the outfield while Ellie's gloving it, trying to make a play. And when he gloves it and he throws the ball offline a little bit, the natural person might say, well, if he made a good throw right there, he would have been out. Well, I don't know. Every other person in the world would have just been watching the ball roll out to the outfielder. So which would you rather have? At the end of the, at the, end of the day, the question becomes ultimately, what do you want? You can't take away one of the very, very small – we don't have much depth within middle infield, in my opinion. There just isn't. Jonathan India, at best, is a second baseman. And I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I, you can convince me that Jonathan India is a second baseman. However, to sit here and say that you're going to put Spencer Steer at third, Noelve Marte at shortstop, and Jonathan India at second base, and Joey Votto at first base, objectively, that is one of the worst defensive infields that I can come up with however I do understand the point that is this I don't want the main point to get lost in the side shuffle of things Ellie has not been good he's not been good for a while but this team in the only way they can truly accomplish something that you're going to ultimately be proud about at the end of the season it's going to require the tip-top talents of a guy like Ellie De La Cruz it's in there somewhere. It might come around once every three, four months right now because he's so young. But it is in there. It is possible. I'd rather take the chance of having that than to run out, with all due respect, something that is no longer there. It's just not there anymore. Joey Votto against left-handed pitching is not it. It can't be it, and it won't be it. 
If you want to convince me that, 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 that Ellie's just as bad against left-handed pitching, I'm not going to argue that. But what I am going to argue is that the defensive metrics and the defensive play that Ellie can be and the speed that he can be when he gets on base can't be argued in regards to what it could possibly do for the team. At this point, it's a sobering moment as a Reds fan. Maybe it's taken a while to get there. Maybe it hasn't. If it wasn't for all these young guys, you wouldn't be here. You'd, you, you, you'd have done forgot about the Reds at the All-Star break. If it was just Joey Votto, Jonathan India, hell, bring back Kyle Farmer. I don't care. I'm not trying to slander the man, but bring back Kyle Farmer. Hell, throw in, uh, throw in another veteran at third base. Kevin Newman, why don't we add him? Nick Senzel out and left. Do we want to include TJ Friedel? We'll give him TJ Friedel. TJ Friedel out in center and Will Myers out in right. If that was your team, none of you would give a shit about the Reds. So now when you get towards the end of the season and some of these rookies look like rookies for the first time in a long time, guess what? You live with it. You got to live with it because that's what's got you here. That's who brought you. You dance with who brought you. And that's who brought you. Don't get it twisted. Joey Votto didn't get you here. Jonathan India didn't get you here. None of those guys got you here. Matt McLean, Spencer Steer, Ellie De La Cruz, like it or not, TJ Friedel, Will Benson. That's who got you here. If I'm missing somebody, my apologies. But I'd rather die on the sword that is youth. I'd rather die on the sword that is people that are going to be here than that of guys that just are no longer going to be a part of this franchise. Like it or not, that's where I stand. Um, what was Bobby DeWitt Jr. like his first year? I'm curious. Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt, my bad. Bobby Witt Jr. had a higher OPS his first year. He had a higher OPS plus, but though it's it's not considerable. His OPS plus was 102. Um, Ellie De La Cruz was 89, so that, that is considerable. Their OPS is about 20 points apart. Um, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. last year had an offensive baseball reference war of 3.3. He was a terrible defender. Um, and Ellie this year has an offensive war of, of about 1.1. And only 86 games, so about half, half, half of the season. But How old is Bobby, Witt? Bobby Witt is 23, so he's 22 last year. Um, obviously, he's a generational shortstop now in his sophomore season has made incredible strides, still doesn't get on base a whole lot, but has become a, a pretty good defender, and he's going to steal 40 bases and hit 30 home runs. So, um, yeah, Bobby Witt Jr., great sophomore season, and that's what you hope from Ellie De La Cruz. But that's, that's a similar comparison, I'd say. I'd say it's pretty similar, a lot of speed, a lot of power, doesn't get on base a whole lot, and struggles at defense sometimes. It's a fair comparison. It's not an easy situation to be in, and I'm not suggesting that it is. Um, Chi-Town Real Estate with the Super Chat. Debate really has me agreeing with everyone. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you, can, you can make cases and arguments for both sides. Um, Swaggy did ask if, uh, if uh, when you're eating with Elliot Sky Rosa cooking show starts. Do you have an answer on that? Yeah, I'll do a cooking show whenever. Here's the thing. I, uh, the, the Ellie De La Cruz, I saw an article yesterday by a, a competitor – they have a bar stool in their logo. 
They, they, they sent out a tweet saying, Ellie De La Cruz is overrated. We overrated Ellie De La Cruz. I disagree with a statement like that. Ellie De La Cruz has come up, and with the intangibles, I think that matters. I know Trace doesn't necessarily think leadership matters, blah, 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 blah. I think having the ability to spark an entire fan base to wake up the national media to your franchise, I think stuff like that matters. I think it's cool. I think it's damn cool. I think Ellie De La Cruz is so young that he's going to be great in five years, three years, two years. Give him another year in the offseason. He'll be great next year. But my whole point, and it's not in some Ellie De La Cruz hate train. I'm not hating on Ellie De La Cruz. But the point is, if you're going to bash other guys for, for statistics offensively, then you have to look at Ellie De La Cruz first because he's been worse than every other guy on the team. That's my point. That's where I'll end it. Will I have a cooking show? Maybe. I don't know how I'm going to do a weather with, with, this, with this angst in me right now. It's going to be tough. Well, what is it exactly that's so angst? I, don't, I mean, this well, baseball team. Well, I just got worked up. I just got worked up. And to your point, should they be riding with the guys that got them here? Yes. 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 I'm not saying you bench Ellie De La Cruz. My whole point, my whole, my, the whole point of the Ellie De La Cruz thing is to, it was in, it, in response to Trace's Joey Votto thing. That was the only thing I said. Nick Kirby's right. Does Ellie play a, a more premium position than Joseph Daniel Votto? Yeah, he plays the most important position on the field. That's going to that's gonna, that's gonna mean that there's going to be more errors probably. It's, it's going to mean it's going to be harder to have a 1,000 fielding percentage or whatever it will be. Well, really quickly, I think your point is this, is that if you're going to be hard on Joey Votto, you should be just as hard on Ellie De La Cruz. That's really ultimately what you're trying to get at. The only pushback that I have, the, 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 the thought process I have with that is this. It all comes down to what options you have behind said person. That's really where this comes – that's what this comes down to, right? Like, if it's a switch gears to college football for half a second. If you have a starting quarterback that, that plays at a program and they struggle a little bit, the, the, the immediate reaction is who's behind them. And if it's someone that's god-awful, then guess what? There's not as much heat on that player Correct. because there's just not another option and you know there's not another option. I guess when I look at Ellie, I just like, I don't know if there's another option that's realistically going to be that much better and or help the team that much more. When I look at Joy Votto, I think, okay, there's a way to shift things around to where Spencer Steer can play that position. Uh, Hunter Renfro has been bad, so I'm not even going to bring him into the mix. But CES, certainly. There's, there's other players that you can make the case that could easily justify the means to replace that said person. And, it, and, I, and I would just say the only reason that both of those guys probably get a pass is for very different reasons, but it's literally just because of the name on the back of their uniform. They're yeah. one of the same. Yeah. I, and that's, that's the best point of the day is that uh, the intangibles, what, and I guess Joey Votto is more not intangible. It's what he's done for the Reds. But Ellie De La Cruz is certainly intangible. I think he means a lot to us as fans. I think he is our future. I think he's going to be our best player going forward. But if you, if you look at this debate and you look at numbers and you're like, all right, take away all the intangibles, Ellie hasn't been good, and that's okay. Anyway, I, I don't want to beat this point into the ground. There's 14 games left. The Reds have a good chance to make the postseason. Ellie De La Cruz will be in all 14 games. Uh, Joey Votto will be in probably half of them, depending on who's a lefty and who's a righty. So we're, we're okay. If we want to look at the Mets series a little bit, Trace mentioned the pitching uh, before. Yeah, it's good matchups for the Reds. It's very good matchups for the Reds. They have our three best guys uh, – with asterisks, injuries, coronavirus, etc. It's Hunter Green, Andrew Abbott, Brandon Williamson. Tonight, it's Hunter Green versus David Peterson. David Peterson's been terrible. Andrew Abbott on Saturday taking on Tyler McGill. Tyler McGill, guess what? He's been terrible. And you have Brandon Williamson taking on Jose Quintana, who's actually been good. Yeah. So if you, if you take on the first two guys, you win the first two. 
I don't. I, I hate to say this. I don't really care about the third. Win the first two. Let's take care of business. We have to win every series. You have to win every series going forward. You have to. So this is this is our best start. And and to answer Trace's point about pitching, the Mets have I think the second best OPS in the MLB the past month. So gonna have to wake up here. Gonna have to wake up. Yeah, so right before we do the uh, local 11s, we're a little past, but the good news is, is that we are uh, not an actual news station, so we can really run it whenever, so we'll do that here in just a moment, is this. As we've talked through all of this, I've kind of got myself in a position where I've come to realize that really, like it or not, at least this is my opinion, clearly it's my opinion, I'm not trying to state it as if it's 100% fact, but I would fight tooth and nail just as if I did at the bars when I used to argue that Joey Votto is the best hitter in Reds history. I'd argue that Matt McLean is his team's MVP. And we don't have him right now. And that hurts. Because Matt McLean would be able to fill some voids and give some guys some days off and give some rest to some guys and also provide production that we're missing. We're missing Matt McLean more than we want to admit. Matt McLean, for as much as Ellie De La Cruz maybe gets credit for that two-week stretch or that 10-game run or whatever term you want to use or 12-game winning streak, Matt McLean has been the anchor of this rookie class. He's been solid. He's been steady. He's been reliable. Ellie's been a roller coaster. Like it or not, we're missing our best player. Most teams can't have their best player when they're already paper thin leave and continue to find a way to still be successful. I'm not trying to make excuses for the Reds franchise. I'm not trying to say, hey, it's, it's, it's all fine if they fall apart. That's not what I'm saying. But if you don't want to at least admit that this Reds team has dealt with injury after injury after injury, and it couldn't be somewhat reasonable to expect a drop-off, I think you're kind of lying to yourself. The good news is, the good news is, is it's all right in front of them. 15 games left. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy it. Hopefully, Joey Votto can get hot and just take all of this away. Because if he can just get hot, just a little bit hot, then all of this stuff goes away. If he doesn't get a hit now until the end of the season, unfortunately, that's going to cause some rift. It won't it. It'll cause some rift. But I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon that is Joey Votto. Can I be frustrated at times? Yes. Can I watch a game yesterday and watch him get a guy on first base after a good at bat? Jonathan India, great at bat. First pitch swinging, Joey Votto roll into a double play. Is that frustrating? Of course it is. But he's done enough for the city. He's done enough for this franchise to make me not want to jump off that bandwagon. So I'm not going to. Just the same way I'm not going to jump off the Ellie bandwagon either. I implore you to do the same thing. Regardless, the Reds are, 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 are way better off than we ever thought they would be. And you got to keep things in perspective from time to time. Speaking of keeping things in perspective, in order to do that in your day-to-day -day life, it requires a weather report. You must know what the temperature is. And you must know what the best tasting water and where to get your technology, technology solutions from. So without further ado, I'm going to send it over. You're doing it on purpose. I'm going to send it over to Elliot for the weather. 
Well, hi ho, everybody. It's the weather report. Ah! <laughs> Listen, the weather is going to be good today. It's it's a low of 52. If you woke up this morning, it was chilly. Uh, the high is 75. Uh, like my Barker mic. By the way, further ado. Can we get you to say further at some point, Chip? Further ado. So the weather again hasn't really changed at all over the past three days. It really makes you wonder what the purpose of a weatherman really is. Because I, I, I looked at the graphic every day. At the end of the day, what's tomorrow going to be? It's the same thing. Just the same thing. Could it rain? <laughs> Maybe. That's the best part. Could it thunderstorm? Could there, be a, could there be a loose lightning bolt somewhere? Maybe. But it's great weather. Enjoy it, Cincinnati. You're not going to get this. When I do these things in January, when this bit surely won't be stale, when we're still doing weather reports and we get to January and it's snowing and it's four degrees and everybody wants to just die, listen, enjoy this. Remember this. This is going to be great. I unfortunately can't enjoy this because I've been dealing with an allergen that uh, has, has destroyed my throat. It's got their foot on my throat and it's just stepping and stepping and stepping and destroying me. I don't know why. I don't know why. It sucks. Again, I wish some weatherman would tell me why I have allergies still three months in. And we have good weather now. So that's what we're dealing with. That's the weather. Uh, high of 75, low of 52. Who cares? Who cares? Go outside. Check your phone. Don't check your phone. Check the weather. Just don't watch the local news weather tonight on any, in any station. Because I'll tell you right now. 75, 52. That's it. That's it. Tomorrow, if you're wondering what the weekend forecast is, 52, 75. 52, 70. It just doesn't change. I mean, it just doesn't change. Maybe, you know what? Maybe there might be some more clouds tomorrow. Take a look outside. See if there's a cloud. And if there is a cloud, note it. Tell your local weatherman, hey, you missed a cloud today. A little cloudier. Five minutes, five minutes. There was a cloud that just was over my head for five minutes. Couldn't see the sun. Don't look too, in, don't look too far into the sun, though. Uh, bad for the eyes. I did it once. Blinded myself. That's it. Chip, back to you. Thanks, Elliot. Uh, really, really nice reporting there. I'm glad that you were able to provide the, uh, the city of Cincinnati with everything they need to know when it comes to the weather. The other thing that you need to know is basically where you need to get your technology solutions and what the best tasting water in the world is. If you've watched this show, you've probably seen it before. So without further ado, far farther, I'm going to keep saying it. I, mean, what, what? You know, I don't think you can't, can't say it I the right way. I can't say it the right way, so you just say it wrong. That's what you do. So without farther, further, without farther ado, we're going to send it over to Casey McAllister. We haven't talked much about the Bengals. There's a Bearcats game happening tomorrow. So the Bearcat Report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. 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 Very nice. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And let us tell you about Pawnee Water, great sponsor of ours. It's not new anymore. It's a alkaline water made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. It uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result, the best tasting water in the world. And I got to agree with them. Visit Pawnee Water. Dot com that's p-a-h-h-n-i water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water and uh get your coffee at udf bet on bet fred get your technology the, solutions from encore technologies and drink pawnee water there you go what is it about pawnee water that you guys like for me 
It's the natural limestone filtration. Thank you. Thank you for proposing. Well, I just wanted. I just wanted to ask everybody. For me, it's the natural limestone filtration. Trace. For, me, it there, for me, it tastes good. For me, it's just the taste. You know, there are there are people. Every, everybody says, "Oh, some waters taste the taste the same." Everybody, every water's the same. There are bad waters out there. Oh yeah. There I mean, are bad waters out there. I won't mention them because this. I don't give free ads, but I'll give you a hint. If it has a little mountain on it, it's gonna taste bad. So I go to Pawnee only. Can we see the bottle again? Yeah, right here. Pawnee. It looks great. It tastes great. It is great. That's because it's Pawnee water, natural limestone filtration. You're not going to get there with any other waters with a mountain on it or a Kroger thing on it. That's right. Pawnee. You see, if you get, if you get a water that has a 7 pH level, mm -mm. not good. If you get a water that has a 9 pH level, mm -mm. you want the snowman. You want the Ocho. It's the natural limestone filtration that gets you there. Eight pH level. That's what you need. Speaking of snowmen, Elliot, you know anything about snowmen? Nope. No. No. Was that? I, I didn't understand the joke. I was just curious. If you don't know, that's fine. You don't need to know the joke. Do you know the joke? What was I supposed to say to that? I, I, I my mind's in a pretzel. There's a couple different ways I could take that joke. I'm just gonna stay off. <laughs> explain this one, Trace. You want me to explain it? Well, yeah. Um, Elliot had every chance in the world to to win a golf match, and then oh, that okay, that's what I thought. Put up an eight, so that's all. It wasn't anything more than that. That's all. Then yeah, I am familiar small, with Snowman Trace. It was Good just question. a small, slight, slight, slight dig uh, at that situation. Real Spirit Cat got the joke, but uh, but you know what? It's here nor there. All right, can we gamble? <laughs> can we gamble a little bit? Can we get some picks out, please? We can. Heaven forbid we talk about the Reds because it's going to cause it's going to cause a, a, just an absolute rift in the office. Especially, could you imagine if this Reds team? Well, we probably wouldn't talk about the Reds a whole lot if we're, if, if they weren't, you know, right That's in the true. playoff race. Well, to yeah, be we fair, talk about them at all. <laughs> however, however, it is kind of nice to know that we're a little passionate about the Cincinnati Reds on September fifteenth of twenty twenty three. All right, game number one, <clears throat> college you, football. Like I said before, what a great weekend it is to be a college football fan. There is game <laughs> after game after game. Oh, they are games. No. Oh, no, where are you going to be able to watch all of these games at? Hopefully you got multiple TVs at the house, because if not, you're going to miss something. Uh, University of Cincinnati. We're doing something called the Chatterbox Sports Bash on Short Vine. Uh, for those that are interested, that will start at 2 o'clock. It will run until right when the game ends, which is expected to be right around 10 o'clock, because the kickoff is at 7. We'll see how that goes. Uh, they play the Red Hawks from Oxford. Miami University. My favorite thing is they do not like when you put Miami of Ohio. They are Miami University. The other one's University of Miami. It almost feels like if that's the case, just embrace the fact that Miami, Ohio, is just it's just a thing. Right? It seems that's what I would do, but that's here nor there. The Red Hawks versus the Bearcats. I am going to take the... What? You don't want me to pick? No, I was just I was doing a Red Hawk. Okay. I like it. Do, do it again. <laughs> One more. That's just ridiculous. That's why this show is actually decent. Um, all right, I'm going to take the points, folks. I, I, you're not, you're not going to give me 14 and a half points in a rivalry game because you know what they say about a rivalry game? You just throw all the record books right out the window. <laughs> I mean, what a bit this is. <laughs> oh, so give me the points. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. A give rivalry. me the points. You know what's funny is I did not realize how serious Miami took this rivalry until we we did their games this past spring, and they take it very seriously. I'll also say that Miami complaining about being called Miami of Ohio is 
I hate to say this, like when baseball fans complain when football takes center stage in the sporting world. It's just something you got to deal with. You're not the bigger Miami. You're not the bigger sport. I'm sorry about it. I love baseball. It's my favorite sport. But golly, I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, give me the Bearcats. It looked really good for two weeks. Uh, Miami has not looked very great for two weeks. So give me the Bearcats. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the Bearcats. We have the Heisman front runner and Emory Jones as our quarterback. So this is this should be a this should be a this should I'm not, I don't I don't like saying it should be a murder, but it should be a blowout. It should be an absolute dis destruction, dismantling of the Miami Red Hawk football program. I mean, there isn't really much of one anyway, but whatever's left, they're going to be destroyed on Saturday at 7 p.m. Again, short short vine. That's the place to be. Bearcap, not the Bearcap, I redact that. It's the bash on Short Fine presented by Chatterbox Sports. Be there, we'll tailgate, we'll all bet it together with Bedford Sportsbook, and we'll all win. We'll all get rich. We'll all get rich betting Bearcats minus 14 and a half. I do alternate line minus 28 and a half just because there's a lot of value there, but Bearcats win this game easy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they win. I don't think there's any question about that, but Miami usually plays UC pretty, pretty, pretty close. Um, I just checked what they were last year. It was 38 to yeah, Miami covered 38 to 17, which would technically three, cover three for UC. Games. So I'll take UC on that one. I agree with that. I, I think they played really well. I think they might be a little underrated right now. And Tom, he's also taking UC. So all should be uh, all should be good there. You guys want to see a leader of men right here? Leader of men. I'm sure Martin, all of our Coach Martin. I was gonna say I'm sure all of our viewers know exactly who that is. I certainly don't. <laughs> so I mean, good luck. Good luck to Miami. Casey just said it was a close game last year. They lost the by disrespect. They lost here. by it was, 21 it points. Was a cover. It was Miami. It might cover. be a, it might they be covered. A, What's it matter? Covered. Might be a cover, but I mean, are we saying that's a close game? 21 they points. They are known as the Cover Hawks too. Some, I learned that one the other some day. Some have been saying that. I certainly would never say that. The Cover but. Hawks. That's got some staying power. That's got oh oh oh. oh we got one. someone else. Who's this? That's a oh damn. That's Paul. He quit too. Let's I, I, let's go on the street and show everyone the Luke Fickle picture, and then show everyone the Chuck Martin picture, and see who who gets recognized more. Yeah. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, it's Chuck Martin. That was good because he had a microphone. Yeah, well, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that it got picked up. Yeah, final score of this one, 47 to 10. I'll be down at Brick Street tomorrow. We'll do that bit. Okay, all right. $47,000 on the table. <laughs> That'd be a bad showing if we went to Brick Street up there in Oxford and it turned out that Luke Fickle was the guy that most people knew. Well, they absolutely – you think Miami oh students know? Oh, my God, know? yeah. You think Miami students <laughs> can pay attention yeah, to the Miami man. football program? Listen, listen, there is one place. There is specifically one place in the world – where people will recognize Chuck Martin more than Luke Fickle, and that is Miami Red Hawks locker room. That is the only place in the entire world that you can show two people, show pictures of Luke Fickle and Chuck Martin, and people will recognize Chuck Martin more. Maybe Chuck Martin's house. But I don't even the know The disrespect about that. in this, the disrespect for the Red Hawks in here is absolutely atrocious. They're going to cover, hell, they might even win. They might even win. Sprinkle a little money line on the old Red Hawks, why don't you? All right, we're going to go down to the old big-time game that is Maction. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish hosts the Central Michigan somethings. Chippewas. 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 There's a lot of directional schools in Michigan. You got Eastern, <laughs> Western, Central. <laughs> There's three. 
Anyways. Um, I don't even know who I took. I think I think that uh, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, Notre Dame's a fraud of a program. Notre Dame's a fraud of a program, so I think I took the Chippewas. If not, then I'll – yep, that's what I took. Love it. Who are you taking? Uh, this is the Brian Kelly Bowl. Brian Kelly coached both these teams. There's a lot of those fighting bowls. for the honor of Brian Kelly. Um, give me – I mean, Notre Dame has covered by a billion points in their first two games. Are, are they 2-0 and or are they 3-0? They're 2-0. and Okay. Well, give me Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm going to take the Fighting Irish. The Fighting Irish, Rudy. Rudy. Rudy was offsides. People forget about that. But, I mean, the Chippewas of I, – I can't take any of these Michigan schools seriously. They have 15 different Michigan schools. I, I mean, I just – I don't care. They all, they all suck. Maybe they, all su- they all suck. And I'll, and I'll take my guy Marcus Freeman over any coach anywhere. Quit or two. He didn't quit. Notre Dame might be actually 3-0. They are 3-0. Yep, they, they are played 3-0. on week zero. Uh, yeah, they've covered every single time, I'm pretty sure. So I'm also taking Notre That's Dame. And Tom, also taking Notre Dame. Nice. The Lone Warrior once again. Love that. I'll take all 34 and a half of those points. Might not even need them. We'll find out. Seems we will see. Um, next up, Western Kentucky, another directional school. We're going against Ohio State. You know what's funny is I've heard all these Ohio State fans just make fun of me and my Georgia fandom about who they've played. You know, look, oh, yeah. Who's Ohio State played this year? That's Not a, a serious question. They've played they've played uh, Indiana. Okay. An FCS school in Youngstown State. Wow, Youngstown State. And is Western Western Kentucky's an F. They're, they're not FCS. Wow. They're, they're, they're legitimate. Whoa, Buckeye fans. Heaven forbid you get on your high horse and tell me about how bad the schedule is for the Bulldogs when I every, every week I see nothing but just cupcake after cupcakes. Looks like Kelly Bakery on a Sunday morning. All right. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State. <laughs> uh, listen, the, the Hilltoppers are, are a proud football program. They always have been. Everyone talks about Western Kentucky football. Their mascot is in close relation with the blue blob and the orange from Sycamore, from Syracuse Orange. So uh, give me the Hilltoppers. Yeah, I'm going to take Ohio State because, I mean, this isn't even close. No, no further analysis needed. Ohio State has not covered yet. Yeah, it's and that's, that is exactly why I'm taking the Hilltoppers. I Heck think yeah. they, uh, they're, they're playing a little rough, playing a little rough out there. Tom, obviously taking uh, Ohio State. Of course so. he is. Uh, I love that we have the Ohio State logo with the black background. We might have to, like, find one that has the white text. Or we can keep it like that. I don't mind. It kind of looks nice. It kind of looks like, uh, it kinda looks like we're um, disrespecting them. Disrespecting them. Yeah, yeah, I like that. that that's the term I'll Yeah, actually, let's keep it that way, actually. I, I, think, I, I, think, I, that, I, I think that actually is nice. I mean, there yeah. might be some Ohio State fans. Mark Mark Fetter's in the chat's not going to like that. Oh, but you sorry. Know what? Well, if the one thing that Urban Meyer has taught Ohio State, it's how to respect. Just a great human being. Urban yeah, Meyer good guy. That's what, yeah, that's what Urban's, that's that's what what Urban's known says. for. That's what everyone when he, says. When he kicked that kicker in Jacksonville, that was just him being a good guy. Grinding on that 19-year-old at the bar. Good guy. All right, that'll do it. All right, next game, uh, <laughs> Iowa State. You know what they're saying around these parts. Can't wait for that big Bobcats game this weekend. Uh, they play... What time do they play? We don't have the time, but who cares? They're both one and one. They both lost one game, and the line is Iowa State is giving three. I am going to take the Bobcats from Ohio. Mm. Shout out to my wife who graduated from there but never stepped one foot on campus because there's the internet. You, uh, <laughs> oh, you're, awesome. you're, you're riding with Mac. 
You've taken Central Michigan. You took Miami. You're taking Ohio. I'm taking Iowa State because there's a Hamiltonian that's on the roster and one of their coaches was Bluffton's former base football coach. Was this supposed to be a shit, Casey? Just have all Mac schools in this? No. I didn't even notice that. I didn't notice it either. All right. Well, I'm going to go Iowa State because I think Ohio and the rest of the Mac are not real serious football programs. Well, last year, if you picked Ohio to cover, you you were pretty successful in doing so. So I'm also going to be taking Ohio this time around. Plus three. And, of course, our good friend of the program, Tom Brenneman, also taking the Bobcats. Of course. What we got next, Casey? This actually is a semi-decent game. LSU uh, against Mississippi State. Mississippi State 2-0. LSU obviously dropped their game against Florida State earlier this year, making people think that LSU is not very good, which makes me think that LSU is still pretty decent. They just got to figure it out. They got a good quarterback. Jaden Daniels, pretty good quarterback. LSU usually has better football players than Mississippi State. Are they better by 10 points? I don't know. Seems like a lot, which is why I took them. LSU. Yeah, I'm going Tigers, too. A.J. Worth um, asked a good question. Is this one of the worst college football slates slash weekends I can ever remember? You know what conversation you have every Monday or Tuesday is, are there any good college football games this week? <laughs> you know a question you have never asked? Oh, are there any good go. NFL games this week? Because yeah. every week there's good NFL games. There's hardly ever good college football games. So there you go. Moving on over to Elliot. Yeah, and, and the best part about the NFL is that there's always playoff implications every single game, every single week. When, when we have Ohio Bobcats taking on God knows whoever Casey flashed up on that graphic, I don't even remember the game, uh, Iowa State. When you're talking about two serious programs like that, you're not talking about the playoffs because Kirk Herbstreit already wrote them off, wrote them off when, he, when he organized his rankings. He'd never been on the committee. Yeah, but it, it was Kirk Herbstreit. Everybody knows it. Kirk Herbstreit runs the rankings. Uh, I'm going to take LSU. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Is everyone going to pick LSU again? Did you pick LSU, Casey? I did not. Okay. All right. Then I'll ride with LSU. And uh, obviously, like I just mentioned, I'm picking Mississippi State. I think 10 points. That's kind of – it's a lot. I don't know. Maybe it's not. LSU, <laughs> just trying to be different. I respect it. Casey. It's worked out great for me. It's worked great for you. It might work great for me. We'll find out. That's, that's dynamite insight. <laughs> I love that. Regardless whether you're trying to be funny or not, it was funny. Uh, Ravens v. the Bengals. Oh, we're switching to NFL. Here we go. Going to the National Football League, the okay. only league that uh, Reed Mouse thinks matters. Let's First off, we got a super chat. Coming in from Ryan. He says the pass interference in college is just 15 yards. No definite advantage. Sorry, was tuned in late, so I'm behind. I got your back, Trace. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you coming in here and having my back. I need my back. I've been, I've been getting ridiculed here most of the show. But you know what? I'll keep, I'll keep moving. Uh, the Bengals v. the Ravens. This is the game that I, I got to be honest. It's a coin flip. Uh, I have no idea what to expect from the Bengals. The Bengals might be bad this year. They just might be bad. But they also might win the Super Bowl. Both can be true. I think the Bengals bounce back, though. I really do. I think the Bengals bounce back this week. I think Joe Burrow gets back on track. Everybody calms down around here and relaxes. And the next thing you know, the Super Bowl's back on. So I'm taking the Bengals. A $2 Super Chat from Mark Fetter. What did he say, Reed? He says, Go Irish! Thanks, Mark. Uh, oh, Mark, you didn't get oh, your money on that one. He said, Sorry, no refunds. <laughs> <laughs> he said, go Bucks. All right. Uh, did, did I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, okay. I mean, what are we doing here? Who day all the way? There's just no way that they could have. 
I mean, I think that the Bengals figured out their mitigation problem, and this weekend will not be an unmitigated disaster. Casey, let me finish my analysis before you flash mine up there. And I want to say this. Bengals are going to bounce back. Oh, no. Bengals are going to have a great game. Joe Burrow's going to have a bounce-back game. The defense is going to shut out the Ravens and, and, the, and the running back that is Lamar Jackson. They're, Jamar Chase is going to have 150 yards receiving. This, is, this could be the greatest game a Cincinnati Bengals team has ever played. And for that reason, I'm going to take the Ravens plus three and a half. Because, listen, when I have a gut feeling like this, when I have a gut feeling like this, it never goes my way. I am going to bet every dollar I have on the Ravens responsibly on Betford Sportsbook because it will will the Bengals to win this game. My bad gambling karma will bring the Bengals a victory. And everybody, I want everybody to thank me after, after, after it happens. Okay. All right. Well, that's, okay. that's good analysis. Um, I'm taking the Bengals. Ravens have too many injuries. Um, they, they are down their starting safety, their right tackle, their center, their – yeah, everyone. So, I think Bengals can take advantage of it. Tell me Tom Bounce didn't back. take the Bengals. Tell me Tom didn't take the Bengals. And uh, Tom took the Bengals. Oh, no. Oh, no. This isn't going to go – this isn't going to go the way we want, boys. Thank God I'm on the Ravens. Hear them Bengals growling. Mean. Yeah. All right, next game. Next game, we got Chiefs versus the Jags. Stupid Chiefs are jingles. favored by three and a half points. Well, is Travis Kelsey playing? I believe he is, probably, right? I think he's questionable. I'll double check, but yeah. I think he's fine. I think he's going to play, but you know what? I'm such a hater at this point. I'm going to ride the train that is the <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars because I just can't stay in the Chiefs. I'm so tired of hearing about them. Most overrated team in the NFL history. I, I get they won two Super Bowls. Let's just not let's not bring facts into this, okay? Uh, I'm gonna take the Jags, the Jags, the fight in Urban Myers, and Trevor Lawrence. I'll take all three and a half of those points too. By the way. Yeah, it seems like everyone in the world is gonna be on the Jags this week. Um, so for that reason, I'm gonna take who I think is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen play the game, and that's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They're gonna win. They're gonna cover. Also, Elliot just told me he hates the Bengal growl. So yeah, I don't like. I the, hate that. Yeah, I don't like the song. I mean, it's not as bad as what the, the what the Reds You're play. You're not a Bengals fan. It's not okay. a Bengals fan. You're not a Bengals fan. Oh, brother! I'm gonna ignore it. I'm not, I'm, I'm just gonna ignore it. I'm gonna take the Jaguars. If if Mahomes is still thrown to Kadarius Tony, they're not winning games. So that's 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 the analysis there. Go, Doug Peterson. Go. He cut his own son. Yeah, Some are saying they're gonna win a championship because Doug Peterson. Cut his own son, just like Abraham did in the Bible. How about hmm. that comparison? How about that? Yeah, Chris Jones is coming back, and Brandon Sheriff is hurt. They're all all star, all pro guard. Um, they couldn't protect Trevor Lawrence last week, so uh, I don't expect that to continue on a team that can really get after the quarterback. I'm taking the Chiefs in this one, and then Tom taking the Jags. Hmm. On to the next one. Hmm. Dolphins at New England. And that is the reason that I'm going to take the Patriots, because it's at New England. Uh, I do think the Dolphins are very, very good. Uh, I think that they are one of the better teams in the NFL if they're able to protect Tua. But the problem is, is that, you know, you go into you go into Gillette Stadium two weeks in a row, I just don't think the Patriots are going to start 0-2 in their own home facility. I could be wrong about that. Maybe Tom Brady's gone. Bill, Bill Belichick's still there, though. So it just makes me a little cautious. And especially if you're going to give me three points in the NFL, I'm going to take those three points, and I'm going to run with them. So I'm going to take the Patriots. 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going the same way as you. If you map out these games over the past decade, I'm pretty sure Miami always wins when they're home and the Patriots always win when they're home. So give me Michael McCorkle Jones. And also, if you want a little tidbit, I like the over in this game. I like the over a lot in this one, 46 and a half. Yeah, as long as nobody bangs onto his helmet once or twice, though the, the Miami Dolphins are going to win. Miami Dolphins are far superior. Tyree Kill, elite. Jalen Waddell, elite. Raheem Mostert. Not elite, but he's pretty good. He's serviceable. And Tua Tagovailoa, he's okay. So I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins to cover the spread here. The uh, Patriots last week versus the Eagles actually showed signs of life on offense. Matt Patricia is no longer their offensive coordinator. They got Bill O'Brien, a guy that's been proven in the NFL to, in play calling. They look good defensively. They're getting after people. I like my chances in New England, Bill Belichick coming back better than ever. And then Tom, he's taking Tua. He's Ooh, taking the, he's taking the, couple the smart great man. Train. Tom, couple he smart usually is a Bill Belichick kind of guy. I did not think that was coming out of Tom. I thought he would just stick with the old Patriots. So we were wrong on that one. All right, moving on. The Rams. They play the best team in the NFL in the 49ers, which is why I'm going to take the 49ers. I don't care how many points it is. It could be 10. It could be 10. Or 10. It could be 10 and it could be 10. That's not right. It could be 10. It could be 20. I think at 24 and a half, you draw the line with me. I'm going to take the 49ers just because it's only 7 and a half. I think the Rams played a really good week. I think that the Rams are kind of a sneaky team because people forget that they didn't have Matt Stafford last year. Forget that they didn't have Aaron Donald for a lot of last year. I still think that they've got some talent on this team. I still think that they could be a playoff team and, and really compete in the NFC and their home uh, over a touchdown. I don't think that the Rams necessarily win this game. I just think that eight points for these two teams is too many. So I'm going to take the Rams. Yeah, and home field advantage doesn't matter for the Rams. It's at home, but obviously there's going to be more 49ers fans there because Los Angeles doesn't have real fans there. That is very true. But – Here's the thing about the Rams. I think the Rams are actually decent, like Reed said. I think they're being slept on. I think they're underrated to the nth degree. I think Puka Nuka, I think this guy could be the greatest wide receiver of our time, and the Rams just picked him up. Cooper Cup's not available. I think Van Jefferson's still out, too. So, Puka, everybody go, go to the Bedford Sportsbook. Go find Puka, and you're going to bet on Puka's over. Puka Puka. Puka. Yeah, unfortunately, they play the 49ers. I would I would have agreed with you guys if it was any other team, but that defensive line is borderline maybe the best we've ever seen in football. Um, I mean, they've got Hall of Famers across that entire defensive line. I'm taking the 49ers. I think it's a bad, a bad matchup. They don't have a, a very great offensive line. I think they've got a great quarterback, which masked a lot of the problems. Now they're going to be challenged with an actual pass rush this week. So I'm taking the 49ers. And Tom, also taking the 49ers. Nice. 49ers, guys who know ball. All right, going on to the Seahawks versus the also, Lions. You're going to notice in these games, too, there's going to be a lot of difference of opinions here, a lot of, a lot of variations up there. When you, want, when, you, when you do college football, five in a row, five in a row, everybody's picking the same team. So just another knock for, for the good guys of the NFL. Mm. Just a superior league. But what was mm. the game? Someone good? I, I hate that we even have to have this conversation because it's just true. It is. It's, it's true. true. When the best game has Ohio Bobcats on the slate, it's tough. It's a tough day. Here we go. We got Seahawks-Lions. Who you got, Trace? Who you got? Uh, it's Come hard. On. It's, it's as, a, as a college football supporter, it's hard to defend. It's hard to defend this, this week. This is not a good week. It's not a good week. This is a bad light on college football. It's a little bit of a black eye this week. 
But you know what they say, if it's a bad week this week, that means it's just we're just saving it up for an unbelievable week, one of these weeks that are coming up. That's what we're going to keep telling ourselves, at least. When the college football play, playoff expands, I hope that I hope that fixes some of these these cupcake schedules. And in fact, I think some of these cupcake schedules exist because of all the teams that are fluctuating between leagues. For instance, Georgia would have played Oklahoma week one this year, but the SEC nixed that because the Oklahoma's joining the SEC, so they said you're not allowed doing that. All right, that's here in order. The Seahawks versus the Lions. I am going to take the Lions because I believe in the Lions. I think the Lions are a good football team. I think they're the best football team in the NFC North. I think they will go to the postseason. I think Dan Campbell is going to prove that he's actually a good coach. It's not just this. It's not just this show that he puts on. Dan Campbell, I think, is my favorite coach in the NFL. I think he is. I get that you can you if you can look past some of the stuff he says, like the hoorah stuff. I think deep down that dude just that man just loves football and he loves the players that play for him. So I'm a Dan Campbell guy, which is why I'm gonna roll with the Motor City Lions. Did you see Dan Campbell's morning coffee order? He he gets so much caffeine. It, it's like the equivalent of drinking eight Red Bulls before nine a.m. That it's, can't be good for you. It's I mean he and he lives that way. I mean the dude is always juiced up. I didn't have an opinion on this game. But they asked me for one, and I said, sure, Detroit. Yeah, I'm going to take – I mean, I don't like where this, this is going, but I know where Casey's going to go, so we're going to be saved by that. I think, I think Geno Smith is an abysmal quarterback. I think he's a bottom 10 quarterback, unlike Casey saying he's a top two quarterback. So I'm going to take the Lions. I think the Lions aren't good. I think Dan Campbell's a joke. When he says he wants to bite people's kneecaps off, I kind of am a little taken back by that. But you know what? I think the Lions are better than the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks stink, so – Lions. So uh, I'm I'm actually taking the Lions on this one oh, because no. they've got some. They, the The Seahawks are dealing with an injury to Charles Cross. They're starting either left or right tackle. I can't remember off the top of my head. That's a big loss for them. They already were very weak on the offensive line. Aiden Hutchinson and uh, Houston are looking really good in Detroit. Mm. I think that matchup is um, going to 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 get exposed for the Seattle Seahawks, and I just don't think that this is a good matchup for them. So I'm taking the Lions, and then Tom also is taking the Lions. So we have a full sweep across the board. Hey, we got an elite chat, folks. We got an elite chat. Uh, I do want to say a couple of different things here off the chat that I just seen. Casey, uh, Casey, real quick, actually, switch my pick to the to Geno Smith. I, I was wrong. I want it on the record that I'm now riding with Geno Smith. I can't, I can't have everybody take the Lions. Uh, Geno Smith, I take, I take back what I said. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL. That's right. He's a top five quarterback. He's got, he's got DK Metcalf. He's got Tyler Lockett. Uh, blah 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 blah. That's all fake. Go ahead, Trey. Sorry, I interrupted. All right. Um, Jake asks, does Ellie get a haircut or does Trey say farther ado correctly first? Yeah, listen, I, I contacted my, my barber. She said she'll get back to me. That was last week. I have heard Hairstylist or barber? But she said, said she. Does, I mean, I, there could be a woman I barber. Go, I'm like, not trying to play the whole stereotypical well, do, do you guys think genders matter? Because I don't. I just said barber. That's her job. Well, there's different, so, there's different types a, of stylists. Does she work at a salon or does she work at a barber shop? She, I mean, it's, these are all words. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen. Yeah, she works at a salon. Her okay, name, so it's a hairstyle. Her name is Margot. Her name is Margot. So I texted her. I texted her earlier this week. I said, "Can we get a haircut? Maybe next week." And she said, "I'll, I'll see what I got." It's Friday. I haven't seen what she had. 
So we'll see. I, I'm trying to get a haircut next. I'm trying to get a haircut as soon as possible. I went to sports clubs, uh, sports clips once, and they Don't gave me like that. the Bryce Harper haircut. And when you're like in high school and you're four eight and you look Serbian, and it's weird to walk around with a with a Bryce Harper haircut, the whatever you call it. So I, I I'm I can't go sports clips again. No free ads. Sports clips sucks. No free ads. Going to Margot. Margot, she's gonna text me back. I'm gonna get a haircut. Trace will never be able to say further ado though. I'm not even gonna try it. Say fur. CJ, CJ, uh, CJ in the chat says he's going to push back on my statement because he thinks that I'm not telling the truth. He said, well, why did Alabama play Texas? Well, I'll give you a great answer, CJ. You ready for it? It's a home and home. Alabama went to Texas last year. Texas is going to Alabama this year. That's the end of their contract. That's the end of their agreement, which means that when the Texas joins the SEC, there is no longer an agreement between those two schools. Oklahoma and Georgia we're supposed to play this year and next year. Oklahoma joins the SEC next year, which then negates the two home-and-home home opportunities, which is why they weren't able to play. I'm glad I can clear that up. The other thing I'd like to clear up really fast before we get into the next game is, uh, is Swaggy Plague uh, thinks that my fandom is very much of a bandwagon-esque. The only one that's bandwagon-esque is that when I was in, the, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I watched Kurt Heinrich and Nick Collison play, and not to, uh, not to bring race into this but i did see a couple of those guys that played at a high level basketball and i thought to myself man i want to be like those guys because i can relate to them can't it's hard to relate to hakeem warwick who can dunk when you watch kurt heinrich and he can't dunk it's kind of you can kind of relate so that's how i fell in love with kansas basketball as to georgia football and the green bay packers my stepdad this is the last time i'm gonna say this my stepdad uh who raised me for the most part i grew up in his house uh, his dad so my step-grandfather played at Georgia. He also played for the Green Bay Packers. And his uncle, which would be my step-uncle, or his brother, my step-uncle, played for Georgia as well. So you just grew up, and that's who you rooted for. And that's who I rooted for when I was six years old all the way up till now is the Georgia Bulldogs and the Green Bay Packers for that very much reason. I am a Reds fan because I live in Cincinnati, and I'm a Kansas basketball fan because, like I said, I was in seventh grade. I got lost, just like Reed got lost in the shuffle. When you're young, you're impressionable. You start following a team, and then you start loving them ever since, and that's just what happened. All right. Uh, Let's Mo says that he wants to pick the Bluffton game, though. Do they even play football? They do. They got a, they got a big one. They travel up to Michigan. They play the Adrian Bulldogs. You know what you always say. You don't go up north and – and take an easy one away from the Adrian Bulldogs. If you want to pick there, take the Beavers all the way. They're, Adrian! They're, they're tough, tough Yo, Adrian. Adrian. They'll, they'll sling the pigskin around, so shout out Beavers. Do all we have right. another game to pick? Fair enough. Nope, those are all the games. Okay, now it's everybody's favorite segment. It's high school football pick All right, here we go. High school football pick, and we got some big high school football games if you're interested in high school football. So here we go. We start off with St. Bernard, Elmwood Place. They travel to some school called Landmark. It's not actually a landmark. They're just, they just call themselves Landmark. Honestly, it's a good play by them because if you look up just like National Landmark, you might get the high school that's just called Landmark. So again, that's St. Bernard, Elmwood Place taking on Landmark. If you're going to name your school Landmark, I'm going to go with the National Monument. I'm going to go Landmark here. Let's go Landmark. Reed? Uh, Landmark Christian School is right off of I-75, if you guys didn't know where that is. On the west side. Yeah, I'd imagine most people don't, but go yep. ahead. Continue. Yep, Landmark Christian, yeah. I uh, do not know it's a Landmark. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I, I, I missed the memo. Uh, give me St. Bernard. Okay. Trace? I like dogs. I'll take St. Bernard. Okay. Casey? Uh, I'll take the Elmwood. 
So that's St. Bernard? Yep. Okay. You just called it a different name. All right, here we go. After that, we got the uh, Battle of Two Juggernauts, Riverview East, taking on Miami Valley Christian, MVC. Riverview East, Miami Valley Christian. I'm going to go with Miami Valley Christian. That's a home match. If your school's on stilts, you got to be a good football program. Give me Riverview East. I'll take Riverview East because uh, that's just the one that, that they, they just said, and that's what I heard last. <laughs> Who are the teams again? <laughs> that's exactly right. It's uh, Riverview East taking on Miami Valley Christian. Hmm, I'll take I'll take Miami Valley. Good pick. All right. Next up, we got a rivalry stronger than any other rivalry in the history of the world. It's LaSalle. It's LaSalle at home taking on Canisius of New York. <laughs> Canisius of New York. I think it's the college. I think they brought the college down to town. They're playing the high school kids. I'm going to take LaSalle here because if I'm going to be honest, if Canisius is traveling to New York to play LaSalle, I don't think it's because they want to. I think it's because LaSalle is paying them money. So I'm going to go LaSalle, taking on the College of Canisius. Give me Canisius. Okay. I'll take LaSalle. I'll take LaSalle. Okay, a lot of LaSalles. Hold on. Let me type it in. Let me type it in. <laughs> Canisius. Is Canisius like Bishop, uh, Bishop Sycamore? Probably. I don't care. All right, we have next uh, two big high school football games this week. Starting off, here we got we got uh, we got Pitt. Uh, no, not Pitt. Sorry, we at the Pitt taking on Louisville St. X, the real St. X. They'll be taking Elder High School at the Pitt. Who are you taking? I'm gonna take Elder. Yep, give me Louisville St. X. Although Elder played very tough last week against St. Ed's. I'll take St. X. I'll take St. X. <laughs> Doubters. St. X. St. X. And finally. We have the final match. It's the biggest matchup of the day. It takes place in Kentucky. It's Lloyd Memorial at Bishop Brossard. Bishop, Bishop Brossard, Lloyd Memorial. Uh, <laughs> I mean, one, one has to think he might have to go with the home team here, just <laughs> for lack of a better knowledge about the programs. But Lloyd was a character in uh, the Jim Carrey movie, uh, Dumb and Dumber. So I'm going to go with Lloyd Memorial. I don't know who Lloyd is, but he's got a memorial. Taking Lloyd Memorial. Who and who? It's uh, Lloyd Memorial versus Bishop Brossard. Bishop Brossard. Okay. Go Catholics. Bishop Brossard. By the way, Kirby said that that is not Landmark Christian on I-75. That school closed in like 2004. It is absolutely Landmark Christian. That's the name of the school. Nick Kirby. Stack guy, you're wrong, pal. I don't know what to tell you. The Nick Kirby, called, Nick Kirby, why don't you swallow Christian. that? Why don't you let that simmer a bit in your mind? You got one stat wrong. You're <laughs> 0 for 1. And if you, and if you look up where, what their address is, it's right off of I-75. Kirby, so what are you talking about? Kirby, this is a tough look. A guy who comes in this chat and just makes me look wrong all the time. You're the wrongest guy on the day. You're just so wrong, you don't even know it. Trace, after you. We got Bishop Rosard taking on Lloyd. Lloyd Christmas? Lloyd Christmas. Or Bishop? <laughs> I think I'm going to take Lloyd. I like it. Good Casey? luck finding that score, by the way. Uh, I'll find it. I'll find it. So, the biggest game of the week. So Lloyd is a 3A, District 5, and the Bishop is a 1A, is a, District is a 4. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Lloyd. Good pick, Casey. So what was the what were those numbers? Those analytics you just gave out there? District four, five, six, letter so, A. So so Bishop is a one A district four, and Lloyd is a three A district five. Okay, those numbers matter. Oh. I'm gonna take Lloyd. All right, that was it. 
By oh, records, records. I forgot to give out records. Uh, again, loser of this gets fired. That's that is the key. I mean, you have to try your best here. Uh, Casey leads the pack, sixteen and four. Mm. Trace is in second, fourteen and five. Reed, third place, thirteen and seven. Elliot is ten and ten, five hundred ball. Just like Nick Kirby. Nick Kirby thinks five hundred ball over the course of the season is great. So I'm going to say it's great right now. Timeout. We're all we're all yep. over the place about this landmark Christian debacle. Apparently, it is that landmark Christian that's right off of I-75, but the kids are homeschooled, so we we are picking a homeschooled football team. <laughs> <laughs> Where do they practice? Oh, by the way, uh, just so you know, Chatterbox will be at uh, Moeller versus St. X tonight. Uh, we did not pick that game, but in case you're interested, that is a big football game. Where are they playing that game, by the way? You would think Cincinnati. No, they're playing it in Dayton. Yeah. Welcome Stadium hosts the biggest football game in Cincinnati high school sports this year. It will be at Welcome Stadium, Moeller Crusaders v. St. X Bombers tonight. 7, 7.30, I don't know. But regardless, it is up at UD, not UD Arena, but UD's Welcome Stadium. Right behind UD Hopefully Arena. Hopefully they make it 8.30. They got lights. 8.30 in Dayton tonight. See you there. That'll be fun. <laughs> How does that happen? Like, I, I don't know. This isn't, even a, this isn't really even a bit. I, I just, I don't understand how a prestigious of a school as Moeller is. How do you not have a home football facility? I mean, they're getting one, right? I've, I've, I've been told that, or no? I mean, they have I, a lot I, of land. I'm, this over is Mayfield. a genuine question. I'm not. This isn't like me trying to be like uh, undercut Moeller or say something bad about him. I just genuinely don't know how that's even a thing. Like their alumni, in and of itself, is just millionaire after millionaire after millionaire, and we can't get these guys a football field. I think it's something with the uh, the light situation, or maybe they're not getting uh, something with the neighborhood. I think, right? Isn't it? Well, so they have a practice field at their high school, but it doesn't have like a whole lot of seating or anything like that. They they just bought a bunch of land over in Mainville where their gotcha. baseball field's going to be and other athletic facilities. AJ Worse says that's where they're going to build a football field. So they are going to build a football field there. Okay, so yep, Great. out in Mainville. Nothing says Moeller like Mainville. But go ahead, go see at Dayton. Yeah. Jolly Jolly points out that the little old Baden Rams are getting a football facility. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. are. They are. Good for Baden. It Why? looks nice. I drive by it all the time on my way home, and then they're they're clearing it out and got a nice little parking lot brewing over there. But why? Hey, listen, I every why? Monday they, they try to get me to donate some money. Do they? And I, and I, are you a part of that email chain? I do not. Well, they, they little, every Monday they ask me on the, the coach's show and if this I'll is, donate money. And I, I say and no this is why time. And this is why Elder is respected and these other schools aren't. Because their alumnus laugh at them when they ask for $5. So this is, this is what you're dealing with. Elder is a very serious program. I get a letter in the mail too. My dad works in the development office. Shout out my father, Tom. Uh, but when he asked me for $5, yeah, maybe the kids can read a book this year. I mean, we just need some help with some money. Yeah, I give him $5. I help the team. I help the school. We have the best football stadium in the country. goes a long way when, you, when, you're, when you're alumnus care. Some, uh, some schools don't. Uh, Trace, when was the last time you went to a Hamilton football game? Um, probably last year. Last year? Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> you, 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 realize, you do realize he runs a company that, co that we broadcasts cover high, school high school football. Okay, 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 okay. You're right, you're right, you're right. Let me change the question then. When was the last time you were there just to enjoy a match? 
I love how you call them matches, by the way. Yeah. I call them games where I'm from. But, you know, maybe That's over there, the he's, he, he must be a West Sider. <laughs> it's like he's across the pond. He's going to start calling them tables soon. And he's going to call it the pitch next. And he's going to call it, oh, I, uh, I don't know. His favorite uh, team's the, FCC. The kit. Who knows? Maybe this guy, as it turned out, he's going to turn into a, 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 uh, a soccer band, a soccer fan. And by not, soccer, I mean football. Oh, the, the, FCC. The, That's a great point. Well, FC Cincinnati plays on Saturday. Casey, <laughs> who you got? I don't even FC. distinguish that. I got FC beating their their uh, not arch, arch so rival. so much rivals, but their 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 new new rivals, Philadelphia. Nice, nice. You know what I love about Elder guys is Elder. This is me being serious. Elder alumni are so passionate about their school, and it's incredible because as an athletic program, they've accomplished nothing. Out of all the GCL South schools, they have accomplished the least, and they're so proud of that, and I love that. A lot of delusion over there on the west side. Elliot! <laughs> I mean, that was brutal. If I'm going to be honest, that was pretty brutal that you just came at me like that. But that's okay. I came at your school. You can come at mine. Elder, listen, Elder's going to stand up right now. We're, we, we're strong. Our alumni support the school. We'll, financial backing will never be an issue for us. You take a look at, shout out Mother Mercy, bulldozed. So, I mean, you take a look at these. Could Baden be next? Maybe. I wouldn't doubt it if all their alumnus are looking at their letters and saying, LOL, the high school I went to. How much money have so, you given Elder? And so probably about $100. $100? Yeah, that goes a long way. $100 from, from one guy goes a long way. <laughs> you, you, now, we're not talking about going to some, some staff. That's $100 more $100 than Reed gave. Donation. It's true. It's true. $100. My school's still standing. You'll take a look around the schools in the area. A lot of them are getting shut down. My school, there's, no, there's not an issue about that at all. Elder's standing strong. I don't know where Baden's getting their money. And more serious discussions. And more serious discussions. Uh, we do have some things that are going on this weekend. If, as a reminder, we do the bash on Short Fine. If you're interested in coming down, hanging out, seeing us for a minute, uh, we will be down there on Short Fine in Clifton from two till the end of the UC game, which kicks off at seven. So my best guess is around 10 p. So from two p to 10 p, we'll be down there on Short Vine for the bash on Short Vine, presented by Neutral, by the way. Presented by Neutral. So it's the Chatterbox Sports Bash on... Jesus. Chatterbox Sports Bash on Short Vine presented by Neutral. That's what it is. Officially. That's Come say hi. Is. We're all going to be there. Come say hi to us. We like to say hi. We like to, we like to mingle. We saw CJ the last time. Yeah. I, saw a couple, I saw a lot of my friends that were, were supporting us. Didn't see a lot of anybody else's friends that they clearly didn't advertise to their own. They were friends. working the event, but 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 my friends showed up. A lot up, of time to mingle. But my friend, but my friends, <laughs> my, job, my friends showed up and showed out. I think they'll show up and show out again. So come and say hi. Come and say hi, Mark. I want to meet you. Come say hi, Mark. <laughs> you putting Mark on the spot like that, huh? I like Mark. I know, but I'm just saying that's tough. Mark might actually be busy working hard. I love mascots in there. life. Uh, otherwise, Sunday, the Bengals play at home. We will also be trying to man a little bit of the Betfred Sportsbook tent right there in front of the stadium. Um, what is it? Like the, the Belgium of Waffles. What's that place called? Something Taste like that. of Belgium. Taste of Belgium. Thank you. Taste of Belgium. Somewhere in that little area uh, on that street. We're going to be there. And it's, it is not official yet, but I've gotten wind and word that it is up. The Zebrazillionaires. No, it's not. Is it really? Check it out. No, dig it up. Is live it really? on the fly. Dig no, it up. It's not. Live no, it's on not. the fly. No, this is big news. Dig this it, is big news. Dig it up. Live on the fly. No, it's not. No, it's not. Elliot doesn't believe me. I just, I just looked at my phone. I've got word 
that Zebra Zillionaires is official. Oh, it's on there. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Fred Sports Book app. Where is it? Bet Fred Boost. Somebody help. Hold on. Betford Boost. No way it's up. Where is it? Betford Boost. Hold on. I don't, I don't see it. Why am I not seeing it's it? It's right underneath the boys are back in town bet. Or oh, my God. Box. I got it. Oh, <laughs> oh, everybody doubted me. Listen here. I have, my own, I have my own boost in the sports book. I need everybody and their families, your mother, your father. If they have an addiction to gambling, of course, call 1-800-GAMBLER. But if they don't have an addiction to gambling... You're going to get on Betfred. You're going to bet the Zebra Zillionaire Parlay. Oh, what a day. What a day. Jamar Chase scores anytime touchdown, and Joe Burrow to have 250-plus passing yards was plus 200, now plus 230. Get on there. You bet the Betfred Sportsbook Zebra Zillionaire's boost. What a day. I mean, this is just a great day. I mean, nobody can take this day away from me. Congratulations. Nobody can take this day away from me. It was only plus 100, by the way. Yesterday, maybe that, maybe they changed that. They it was, say, what, it was, what, what is it? We cha- we changed a little bit. I, we were in contact with Bedford. We changed we changed it a little bit. It was Jamar. Ch- we were in the works. We were in the lab thinking about what it was going to be. Yep. It was Jamar Chase uh, yards originally, but the people at Bedford they know better than I. I'm just a lowly loser who just gambles. A lowly loser who does have a boost on a sports book. I don't know if you know any other losers who have that, but I do. Um, but yeah, so they changed it up. It's now Jamar Chase touchdown instead of yards. So it's better odds. Better odds for the customer. I'm going to hit all of these. Here's the thing. I'm going to hit all of them or I'm going to hit none of them. There's no middle. So somebody's going to win. It's either going to be us or it's going to be bet for it. Either way, I win because I have a boost in the sports book and you don't. So <laughs> that's, that's where I am. All right. So can you please eloquently state what the, uh, what the Zebra Zillionaire bet is? Please? Yeah, eloquently. Yeah, I'm smart. Here we go. Jamar Chase, anytime touchdown scorer. Joe Burrow, 250-plus passing yards. That was plus 200, now plus 230 on the Betford Sportsbook, perhaps the greatest sportsbook known to man. You're going to take a look at that on the Betford Sportsbook, bet with the Zebra Zillionaires. Listen, if you don't do it, I'm going to be really sad. If you don't gamble, I'm going to be really sad. Everybody go out, gamble responsibly. You have to be responsible when you do it. I'm not saying you're not, you're, you can't be irresponsible. We can't be losing livelihoods here. But you got a 50, you got a 100. If you have a donation to your high school that you were going to give, but you didn't want to because you just laugh at their faces, take that money, put it on the Zebra Zillionaire's Boost on Bedford Sportsbook, the greatest sportsbook known to man. It's such a good bet. It's such a good bet that Betfred can't get bankrupted by it. They have to put a maximum bet on it. That's what they do. You can't can't let people come in there and put a $1,000 bet on something that's automatically going to hit. That's what the Zebra Zillionaires has done. It has been. You know it as well as I know it. The track record of Zebra Zillionaires has been so good. That's right. That Betfred had to put a limit on it. That's what it is. For those that are complaining, it's not free money, but it's as free as it can get. In fact, it could be free money. Uh, to segue into this final point I would like to make is that on Sunday, if you visit us at the tent, right, that little tent down there, you automatically get a $20, $25 free bet, just so you know. That's, that's, that's some insider knowledge. Some call it insider trading. That's just having good friends. We're just letting you know. If you come down there, you meet us at the tent, we'll get you a $25 free bet. Why? Because they're giving us a few out. If you say, hey, this is Mark from the chat, or hey, this is CJ from the chat, or hey, this is AJ Worse, we're probably gonna we're probably gonna make that work. Just saying. And oh by the way, they're giving us ten questions that if you get all ten questions right, this is football trivia. For some of you, you don't stand a chance. For some of you, you got a small chance. If you get all ten right, you get a thousand dollar free bet. Just saying. So if you're heading down to the game, come by and say hi. 
at UC if you're on Short Vine. If you're not doing that, you're going to the game uh, for the Bengals on Sunday. You can come by the, the, uh, the Betfred tent. Say hi then. We also do as well, uh, breaking news a little bit, we do plan to do some live shows uh, from that same location for the Monday Night Football game uh, against the Rams. I think that's in a, a couple weeks if I, if I uh, got my week. math right. Yep, not it's next week, week, but next week. Yeah. So for those that are wondering, there's a lot going on here at Chatterbox. And as always, this is a reminder that we do this show every single day, Monday through Friday from 10 hey, to hey. 12. P -P -P -P. P -P -P. P. Which means we will not be here tomorrow. We will not be here Sunday. But if you love us that much and you just can't stand it, we'll be down at Short Vine on Saturday. We'll be at Paycor Stadium. No free ads. On Sunday. And if that doesn't work out, we'll be here back better than ever on Monday at 10 a.m. Because that's just what we do. Thank you for watching. We love you. We appreciate you. Go enjoy the hell out of this weather that Elliot told you all about. And enjoy your weekend. Take care, everybody.